Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I am excited to have onto the podcast for the first time my buddy from Twitter, John Hill, who is from the Super Hoopers Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network, and he's also currently doing a kick Kickstarter fundraiser. Kick what is it? Yeah, it's what a is Kickstarter. It? Kickstarter? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I didn't know which one it was for uh, his new movie coming out called Above the Clouds. What's going on, John? What's up, Trill? Thanks for having me. Wow, what an intro. What an intro. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm all it. over yeah. the place. I know. It was great, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me do a quick plug. It's abovetheclouddfilm.com. Uh, uh, I'm going to plug it now because after my takes, I think people will probably turn off this pod. So, like, <laughs> I, I got to get in early. We can talk about it later. But, you know, uh, yeah, we're raising money. I'm shooting my first film. It's about, uh, it's very personal. It's about uh, time in my life after my dad died. Came, I come back to LA. I meet this stranger. We spend the day together. It's really good. We'll talk about it later. But uh, we only got about ten days left to to reach our goal. Or, or Kickstarter gives you nothing. They don't. They don't yeah. give a shit about you. They're like, yeah. bro, you either you're, you're first or you're last. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, well, we'll put the link in the description for anyone uh, that thanks, wants to donate, yeah, and we'll that. go later in the podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about the movie. But let's get to the thing that we all love and hate the most first are Philadelphia 76ers once again back in the news actually not really in the news because the news that happened is that Doc Rivers is not going to be the Lakers head coach they they hired Darvin Ham unfortunately we are stuck with Doc Rivers for another year I was clinging to hope on the last episode that we might be able to trick the Lakers into taking Doc and LeBron and him could live forever in happiness. And, you know, he can be the scapegoat there. And instead we are now stuck with doc. And I don't know how about you feel about it. I'm just like, I, I, I just am. I'm just done with Doc, and I really am just incredibly upset. Like, it just sucks to, like, look around the playoffs and see all these, like, young coaches who were, like, assistants, and, like, now we have the second straight year. A former Sixers assistant is going to the finals with his new team, and then we're just, like, we have a guy who, like, hasn't made a conference final in over a decade despite, like, coaching – what seven all-stars and uh his his team the last team he left was in the conference finals last year after he could never get them there so i'm just kind of at the point where i'm incredibly disappointed and not looking forward to another season of the doc rivers experience oh man i feel that it's it's like uh like in dumb and dumber where they're like like a million to one, right? And you're like, so you're saying I have a shot. You know, that was yes. the Lakers for us. They're like, wait, the late, like, okay, so wait. So the general manager and Doc and everyone else in the organization said Doc's coming back. Yeah, but the Lakers haven't signed a coach yet. Who knows? Maybe we're good. <laughs> Maybe we got a shot. And then it's just like, nah, it's not going to happen. Um, 
I am less look, I do not want I'm not a doc guy. Like it's it's kind of a thing where people say, you know, like I do not love doc. He's not like my guy. But I do think that he's like fine. Like that's where I put him at. And people say like the problem is when you say you're someone is fine, they think you like them. You know, like that's the thing. Like this is, you know, the the internet. I work in the internet. I work in sports on the internet. I know how this works. If you don't say like, I want to murder Doc Rivers in front of the Well Fargo Center, then you are like, then you love him. You know, true. Yes, people are hyperbolic about about Doc, especially. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, look, I get it. I get all the problems with Doc, right? Like the late game stuff, the management, all that stuff. But I do think there's some stuff that it's like kind of unfair to him, right? That I don't get, right? As as like, I always have this fun issue with the Sixers because Sixers fans in general are lunatics. And oh, yeah. as, as a reformed Philadelphian who, who has moved, I get to see like the regular world once in a while. And I don't have to live in the Philadelphia world where like like lunacy makes sense, right? It's like my favorite thing is the argument like Doc River doesn't play young guys, except our starting point guard was Tyrese Maxey, a very, very young guy. A guy who played in the playoffs last year. And Circum- it's like how many minutes did he play in game seven? Of what? This this year? Game seven of last year, uh, Doc Rivers played Tyrese Maxey. I believe it was a total of nine minutes in game seven after he won them game six. This okay, is but he won like like my point is like, okay, like Let's get into it. Like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry that Charles Bassey, the 54th pick of like last year's draft, is wasn't the answer this year. You know what I mean? Like, I think but we Paul do this. Paul Reed problem. was significantly better than than DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap in his minutes. But and he didn't he play did. Millsap. He was like, "Yo, Millsap's watch." Like, I like. But, but I would also say this. Why is, even give him a chance more, over Reed? This, this is Maury's fault. Yes, Daryl Maury's fault, 100%. not Doc's fault. Like, yes. let me. Like, I don't think that if you had put in Mike D'Antoni instead of Doc this year, we would have won the championship. No, I agree. So, like, that's my thing. Like, I get not wanting him there, but, like, you're not going to get Spo, right? You can, you're not going to get the greatest coach because the, the best coaches aren't being traded, you know? And then you – and also it's coaching. Like, we saw Brad Stevens go from being, like, I trade a first-round pick for him to being, <laughs> like, his team quit on him. To then him leaving and then having the, having Emeka come in and now they're in the finals. So it's like sometimes coaches do a lot, sometimes they don't. I think it's just like it's an easy excuse. But like I would say this. If you think Doc is our biggest problem, like you will be in a in for a rude awakening next year when like no, I agree with the that. next I'm- coach comes in and you're just like, what? You know? No, I do agree. My whole thing with the Doc situation is He's definitely not our biggest issue. I mean, this team yeah. was not good enough to win a title unless Joel Embiid and James Harden were both 100%. If you build a top-heavy roster yeah. and you have two guys who are star-level players and they're not 100% or they don't play up to the level that they can play, yeah. coaching probably won't matter. I agree with that. And yeah. generally speaking, I'm not like a big coaching matters guy. My yeah. whole thing is we kind of already had that situation with Doc. Like, I feel like the team quit on Doc. And my, I actually, I saw a tweet that that was very interesting to me that someone had talked about, because we keep talking about, like, we want dogs. We want yeah. a dog. Like, go get me Pat Beverly and go get yeah. me Marcus Morris and PJ Tucker. And someone dug up a tweet 
that was from after the bubble when the when the Clippers lost, they collapsed. They were they were up three one. They collapsed. And Marcus Morris and Patrick Beverly were both on those teams or that team. And Patrick Beverly said after the game, uh, I felt like we really just lacked the mental toughness. And I was like, okay, well, like, you know, maybe that's just one instance of it, right? Then someone went back to 2013, <laughs> dug up a uh, article that had Paul Pierce in 2013 after the Celtics loss on a team that had Kevin Garnett on it <laughs> and said, we lack the mental toughness. Now, look, not all of this is on Doc, but I do think that the I think if you're going to be like a vibes guy, which is really what Doc is, he's he yeah, he's a vibes guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't a vibe really guy. game plan that great. He doesn't really like uh, you know develop guys great. He doesn't you know he's not Nexus and O's genius. He's just kind of like someone that players generally respect. He can kind of have some feel throughout a game, throughout a season. You know, when guys are out, they tend to pl- the backups tend to play up a level. I would say with Doc yeah, as coach, that's true. That's very like, true. I think that Doc would be perfect for a team that's like trying to get to the next level. Like he's a good floor raiser as a coach. Is yeah, what I've said. Absolutely. No, no, that's true. Yeah. Someone said he's like Demar Derozan almost. Where like <laughs> Demar will get you to the six seed, the seven seed if you have a good team around him. But like in the biggest moments, you probably don't want Demar as your primary guy because of the flaws within his game. And Doc's very similar. Like Doc will get you to a level and it's it's got to be taken over by other people and taken to that next level. I don't feel as though he gives you any advantages as a coach. That's my big I, thing with Doc. I, and I agree with that. And that's why I would say, like, I don't want him necessarily as our coach. Like, that's, again, yeah. like, him being fine is not an endorsement. You love it's Doc like, Rivers. I love Take Doc accountability. Rivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm taking accountability. And I agree with that. But I'd also say, like, Pat Beverly, like, you, you need another man to tell you to be mentally tough. Like, you're Pat Beverly, dude. Like KG, like that, like the person that stopped you from being mentally tough was the coach on the sidelines. Like, come on, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like at some point you're a grown man making a lot of money and it's, it's on you. Like, unless you're ruining the team, which I don't think doc does, you know, like you can, like, I, I think you're absolutely right in that. He's a floor raiser. Cause what he does do well is like, yes, maybe the last minute X's and O's aren't there, but you don't get there unless Tobias Harris is playing well and doc is a guy that can get someone like tobias harris who's probably the worst contract in the league to play at least good enough where you're not we didn't complain about tobias no he was good he was fine you know um and you know he brings in all these assistant coaches that's another strength he has like i think our assistant coach is probably the best in the league very good very very good good. he's always had like dan burke yeah yeah, and like you know, I don't know. Does he develop people? I don't know. Like you could say, Matt, maybe with Maxi, he does. I don't know. Like you know, that's always a tricky thing too. But yeah, I would love to get a better upgrade for him. I don't. I'm waiting to hear what the other options are that are better than him that are available. Because I don't believe D'Antoni. I don't believe. No, I'm not, I, don't, I, 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 the D'Antoni thing was always somewhat of a long shot to me. I thought yeah. that like I wanted to be like the. I just want the Sixers to be like creative. And that's one of the things that I feel like if you, if you want to talk about like more, like let's just talk a little bit about Maury because you know, I, once again, like I feel like there's a little bit of a psychosis when it comes to Daryl Maury and like not Daryl himself necessarily, but like the people that defend him to the end of the world where it's like, 
in this decision, it's only ownership not wanting to pay. It's not, it could never be Maury saying that he doesn't, or he, he wants Doc as coach. It could never, ever, ever be that. It's, he is never at fault. He is always the one that is making the correct decisions. And all the bad decisions are made by ownership. Like, okay, yeah. maybe that is not the case. Because I just want to bring up the fact that, like, Maury, when he signed DeAndre Jordan, which is something that like, he brought up. What? Horrible decision. You Even know if, what Doc's going to do. Exactly. You, you, are, you, are, you are, like, bringing cocaine to an addict. <laughs> Like, what are you doing, Maury? Yeah. Like, I thought, here's my Illuminati. I thought he brought on DeAndre so that knowing Doc would play him. Right. So that he could fire Doc. But that's what I was going to get into. It. He didn't do it. But my point is that it's like <laughs> I said at the time, don't sign bad players. No. That's bottom line. Don't ever sign a bad veteran player, especially when Doc Rivers is your coach. You know he's going to play him. But once again, most people had this theory. Most people said this. And then I'm like, is it possible that Daryl Morey just made a stupid decision? Yeah. Because in my opinion, that's what's happened. Like yeah. We can't just like give him outs every time. It's like this seven-dimensional chess where he's going to give Doc the wrong guys. We already had Millsap on the roster. He would have played yeah. Millsap if he didn't have DeAndre. Like mm-hmm. that. that is the thing that I didn't really get. And like, look. Maury's going into his third year now. Doc's going into his third year now. I think that this is kind of make or break for both of them, to be honest, because I think that I'm not saying that I think that Maury and Doc should be fired immediately. But what I'm saying is year one will give you a little bit of a pass. Okay, you know, you're trying to figure some things out. You know, you're bringing in some new guys, whatever. Like, you know, this is your first year. Year two, you make your big move. You go all in. You try to uh, have Actually, that's kind of my biggest problem with Maury is the half measures is like the first year he made them into a really good regular season team, but didn't care as much about the as what would happen in the playoffs. The second year he goes for the guy that will help you in the playoffs and he kind of makes an all in move, but then he makes no periphery moves that could kind of build out the rest of the roster. Didn't even really attempt to make them, it seemed. And because of that, like now we're in year three and it's like, all right, how many teams in the Eastern conference do you feel like we're better than? Cause maybe in the regular season, I could say like we're better than most teams, mm-hmm. but when it comes to the playoffs, like I don't feel 100% great until I see what they do this off season. So like, I think that this is kind of where I start to really judge Daryl Morey's tenure and be like, okay, you got your star, you got your guy. Now show us where you can be creative. Cause he just hasn't, like he hasn't really been creative. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on there's two things I want to touch. I agree with you on the Maury stands. Is, it's like a weird thing. Like yeah. uh, I that's my thing with like the hinky cult. Yeah. It's like like I promise you, I promise you this, right? Bet, we can bet whatever we want. If the Celtics win, someone, some deranged Sixers hinky fan will post a photo of Nick Stauskis and say hinky. I guarantee you. <laughs> They will fucking they slobber Hinky's knobs so hard that they will somehow Nick Stauskas on the he bench knew. in Celtics will they'll be like it, he knew like this is Adam Silver's fault this is Adam Silver's fault <laughs> like somehow like well, we'll get a leak we'll get a leak that uh, he actually would have drafted Tatum over Fultz even though oh, he absolutely. wasn't the, the- absolutely hundred <laughs> percent like someone I lined those photo of him at summer league three days before Tatum played and he'll be like there it is we knew. <laughs> 
Dad, it's Silver's fault, that fucking snake. Like, like what? Yeah. Um, the point is, deifying executives is just, it's kind of weird. weird. It's weird. Especially <laughs> like when you meet these guys. These guys are weirdos. Oh, I met Hinky multiple times. That guy's yeah. like, you're just like, yo, okay. Like, like he was nice. Like, I don't, I don't think he was creepy or anything like that. But yeah. you're like, I don't know. There's probably some other cooler dudes out there that you should like be looking up to. Like, yeah, they're business <laughs> brain guys. They're success brains. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I agree with that with Maury. I will say with Maury though, I think year one was fixing all of Elton Brand's mistakes. For sure. Well, the collective front office's mistakes. I, dude, I I am Mr. When they signed Elton Brand, I was like, this is this is what is gonna set us back for generations. I am so anti-Elton Brand. Like he stole $150 million from us as a player. <laughs> I don't know what they're paying him now, but he made every every single thing that we thought was like the bad decision to do, right? Like everything, it's weird. Uh, like everything that we thought like the Calandros were gonna come and do, like Brand actually did. It's true. You know? Now I'm not saying Calangelo wouldn't have done it before the burner gate thing. Like he maybe he got fired before he had a chance to really mess things up. But like trading young players and picks for like an overpriced guy in Tobias Harris. Like who was bidding? Who was knocking down the door to pay that guy the max? No one. Like who was like, yo, what? Oh, well, we'll give you like three firsts for this dude. Or two firsts and Landry Sham. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Like for fucking Tobias Harris. Like for the opportunity to max Tobias Harris. Give the opportunity to max him. We just want that chance. Give us the chance. Give us the privilege. <laughs> How many firsts do you need? It's like, oh, we have Jimmy Butler? I'm like, nah. I'm, I'm, him and Brett Brown don't get along. I think I'm going to keep Brett Brown. The coach the coach that we were going to fire during the playoffs and then right after. like none of, none of any of these stories. I think eventually someone will come out with like a full detailed book on that offseason. Nothing, nothing will ever make sense to me from that offseason. It's wild. Like I will say, I was, uh, I was such a Ben Simmons fan that it made me think. Like I was like, okay, look, Jimmy. I never was a Jimmy Butler's going to Miami to retire. Like that was crazy. Like dude could play. Oh, that, I literally might have invented that. Oh, that you might have invented that. That's a great. That's a great <laughs> I bit. can't remember, but I definitely I leaned into it for okay. sure. I was it's yeah. a great bit, but yeah, I yeah. did. I was like Jimmy Butler's still really yeah. good, and he's oh, you of know, course, yeah, yeah, he's still really good. Um. But, like, man, like, the amount of mistakes that Elton Brand did, like, and, and his, his only, the only good thing he did uh, was draft a person who ended up being an anti-vaxxer. That's, like, his claim to fame. It's like, <laughs> I, I screwed it up. I told everyone I was drafting this guy. Uh, it made me have to tr- trade a pick to get him. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, by the way, he doesn't believe in vaccines cause he's, I don't know, 24 and adult he, and, he, and graduate. He went through four years of college and doesn't believe in vaccines. Spe- speaking of half measures, <laughs> half <laughs> measures, right? Maybe that's why Maury likes him. Like whenever Kyrie does something, I'm like, yeah, he went to like college for like three months and dropped out. Like, I get that. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, like, all right, that's what he's, you know, and he's like, I get that. But like, you know, like Thibel, four years, you graduated with a degree. Like, what are you doing? He's you a himbo. <laughs> what? He's a himbo. He's a he's male a bimbo. Oh like. my god! He is so lucky. He's handsome. He is so lucky that dude's true. handsome. Very true. And creative too. And very creative. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Hey, hey. Look, what's going on, guys? I am very excited to announce that Philly Sports Trips is now the official travel partner of the You Know Ball Podcast. The biggest reason why I've partnered with Philly Sports Trips is really simple. 
I give them my money. I have a mini vacation that involves the Sixers, Eagles, and Phillies, and I don't have to lift a finger to plan anything. I can party as light as I want or as hard as I want, and Philly Sports Trips takes care of everything that I hate. The planning, the organizing, researching where to go, and I get a five-star hotel, non-crazy flight schedules, and tailgates that have unbelievable food and booze, and most importantly, it's a douchebag-free zone. These are just some of the many reasons that I am excited to partner with Philly Sports Trips. I can't wait to go on a Sixers trip next season, and Uniball is absolutely going on the road to at least one Eagles game. So let me know which Eagles game you would want to go to, and I would love to do a huge Uniball road trip. Out of all the cities, I'm thinking New York or Chicago, but I want to know what you guys think as well. So tweet at me, at TrailBroDude, DM me, comment on the YouTube, and let me know which Eagles game you guys think we should go as a group this season. Phillies and Eagles trips are booking right now. So head over to phillysportstrips.com and let them know that you know ball sent you for two very important reasons. Not only does it help fund the podcast, but we'll have VIP events and goodies specifically just for you know ball listeners. phillysportstrips.com, premium travel for every Philly sports fan and a proud sponsor of the you know ball podcast. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's been it's been rough and so I'm very curious to see what more he does. I also think again, it's like you, giving Doc DeAndre is like Maury getting James Harden, right? Like, <laughs> like, like is Maury reading the CBA right now to find out ways to pay Harden even more money of our cap space? Like, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like, like he's going to give him a lot of money. I hope he figures out some NFT back channel where he can just. <laughs> send whatever into a fund so that it's, it's, it's off the books. But Harden seems like a straight cash kind of guy, right? He does. Yeah. He, like he doesn't, have an, agent. He doesn't yeah. have an agent. He's just like, yeah, no, 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 just, just Maury. Just give me all the money. Just, just no agent, cash. no internet. He's, yeah, no he's nothing. off the grid. Yeah. He's, he's off he's, the grid. Yeah. And Harden, Maury just loves him. But the thing about the, like it, this off season will be a, a real test because we'll get to see, we'll get to see if Maury is, the creative GM that he once was. And like, you know, look, he's had some great, I mean, draft night 2020, he knocked it out of the park. The Ben Simmons situation, I think he did, he made the best of it at the end of it. Like I think all throughout he could have handled it better. I think at the end he did the best that he possibly could. So, you know, this is kind of, uh, he can kind of redeem himself this off season. And like one of the things that people keep saying to me and like, look, don't get me wrong. There are, people that have this opinion about like, we just have to get rid of the Tobias contract and we just have to get guys in here. And we just like, I I've heard people who I respect and like, say like, can we get Eric Gordon? And I'm like, try something different. That's my whole thing. It's like, Maury, you like you sign, if you want to sign PJ Tucker and trade for Eric Gordon this off season, you're literally just trying to get the band back together, but with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey around it. And like, they're good players. Don't get me wrong. But like, once again, not every team is built exactly the same. Like this team, we need to focus on th- three specific things this offseason. We need to focus on having defenders who can actually stay on the court offensively. So no more thibals. We need to focus on getting guys who are versatile that can play multiple positions so that you can have flexibility within your lineups. And then the third thing is that you need to build out a, a deep enough team that Joel Embiid doesn't have to put the whole fucking team on his back or James Harden doesn't have to put the whole fucking team on his back for months at a time so that by the time we get to the, the postseason, we're all good. 
we're we're as healthy as we possibly can be. We're you know we're rolling into the playoffs feeling good. We have depth, chemistry. We have options. We have flexibility. We have all of that shit. So those are the main things that I look towards for this offseason for Maury. I don't know if you did it on purpose, uh, but I think it is great projection that you've left out backup center. I just I think Matthew <laughs> Reader, every single every single uh, uh, GM for the last of the Sixers for the last five years have done right. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I really don't because, like, I my whole thing with the backup center thing, and it continues to be: anytime your best player is off the court, you're going to be worse. Yeah, it's just no, no, that's true. that is true. Like, is true. like I don't think that like the, the the Cavs were worried about LeBron's backup for you know, like, like. I think that it does matter, and I think not having a complete negative in that position yeah. matters for sure. But, like, between Reed, Bassey, veterans minimums, maybe if you buy, get another second-round pick, like, there are ways to figure out. You just can't give Doc the horrendous just plotting backup center that he wants to play and you can you can kind of figure it out going into next season. Like I think that they'll be fine. Like I'm very high on. Like I think Paul Reed proved me wrong. Like I was skeptical that his skill set would translate to the playoffs, let alone or the NBA, let alone the playoffs. Like I think he's playable and he's going to get better. And like who knows with Bassey? Like I like Bassey a lot. Like I just think that they can kind of figure that stuff out. Whereas the the bigger question marks to me are like, okay, can we get someone who can guard the Jason Tatum's and the Giannis's and the Jimmy Butler's and the whatever? And then on the other side, they're not absolutely hemorrhaging points. Yeah, I would like, love to see that. a backup that could also just hit a three. That's fine. <laughs> just like, please. Like, I feel like, like there's so many of them out there that destroy us that like, how can we not find one? You know, like I just feel like the Celtics always have a backup five that somehow hits three. Uh, hits. We should get out of Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. Yeah, what's he up to? Is he? What's he going to make if he, they win twenty six million or something? Yeah, Elton Brand Masterclass, dude. He got Al Hor- He got his old teammate paid again for for this. You know, he knew he saw the vision. He knew that eventually he was going to get back to Boston and help them get to the finals and and make a ton of money i mean look good for al horford i mean i i hate his guts but and his sister but it's fine um can i can i give you a terrible take can i give you a terrible because you brought him up i think i'm buying thibble stock while it's low do not do that i think i am i think i i know this i i I preference it as as a terrible take (laughs) i don't want this take Thibault to me, like at first was like, there was a point this year, Trill, where I was debating who I loved more, Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibault. Like, like early in the year, early, early in the year, where I was like, man, I just love, like they both a- as people, as like characters, like, Thibault, like I love defense. I love defense. It's like this guy, he goes out there and he just fucking plays defense and he'll, he'll like, He'll pluck you and he'll get a steal and he'll two-handed dunk. And it's like, oh, and this guy's like, he does videos. I do videos. We'd probably be best friends. <laughs> he used to date Zendaya. Who else does? Like, he's probably the coolest dude. And then he just, like, fell apart so damn hard. But I will say this. I do think, remember, his shooting has not gotten better. But I don't think he's had proper off seasons, right? You had you had COVID year. That was weird. Uh, then you had him playing for Australia. 
You know, so I really want to see him have a real offseason where he left the year embarrassed, right? I, I'm a big believer that you need to hit rock bottom. That's how you get better. You need to like, like we, we see this with Joel every year, right? Like he gets in the playoffs, he gets his ass kicked, and he comes back so much stronger, right? Because he, he experiences the pain and realizes I'm not good enough, right? This is, this is what happened with LeBron, right? He plays the Mavs and he's like, yo, I got to mix this up. Like, I thought I was one thing. I'm clearly not. I'm embarrassed. I got to do, I got to take the next step. I think that could be Thibel this year, right? Which is the opposite of what Ben Simmons had, right? That's why I hated Ben Simmons because he never, and I always said that. I said this from day one. I was like, Ben Simmons needs to get horrendously embarrassed for him to go, hey, I'm not in high school anymore. I'm not just the athletic guy. I need to, I need to learn to shoot. I got to take this serious because he never took it serious and it just never happened. And that's why like two years ago, I was saying we got to trade Ben Simmons and people thought I was a lunatic. This was before the pass. I was on team trade Ben Simmons for Tyrese Halliburton way back in the day. And everyone thought I was a lunatic. They're like, that's the dumbest thing ever. And I was like, just watch. <laughs> no, just watch. I know people After five years. If you still, if, if you still can't shoot, then you are not trying. No. And now and, he's too broken. Uh, okay. I'll say this much. I understand that, and I, I just, I, I feel like a boomer saying this. I just don't really think he cares about basketball, and I've said this over and over. Like the guys that are built that way, like you know from day one, dude. I'm not saying people can't change, but I, what I am saying, <laughs> I used to be a piece of shit, but no, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like people can change over time for sure, but like. I don't know. He's 25 going on 26 years old. You have the fact that like from day one, I felt like Tyrese Maxey was a guy who had that built. Absolutely. Was like, just couldn't get him out of the gym, whatever. And once again, I'm not anti this mindset when it comes to work, it's your job, do whatever you want. That's fine. I, I'm not like waking up every day. Like, Oh, I'm super passionate to go to work today. But at the same time, I'm also not a professional basketball player. And if I'm building my team, I want to have guys who want to get better. I want to have guys who are working on their game in the offseason, regardless of whether they have weird things going on. Because I know that there are guys in those offseasons that came back better despite the circumstances. And I think that one of the things with Thibel is like, if you're in year, th- you're in year three, and every time you touch the ball in the playoffs, you're just trying to get rid of it immediately. That's a really bad sign. It's a bad sign. And I'm like, I just want to invest in players who have the mindset of like, I want to work hard, get better. And I want to invest in guys who can play on both sides of the court. And in the playoffs, they step their game a little bit up instead of stepping their game significantly down. So, I mean, look, if if he, he, if he works on his shot this offseason – I, I just don't believe he will. I just don't. Th- I think that he'll do whatever he does every offseason. He'll come back and he'll be the same player. And then you're looking at a situation where he's an expiring contract and you have to extend him. Like to me, this is the last time you can get real value before re- before teams realize we're going to have to pay this guy and we don't even know what he is or we know what he is and it's not what we want it to be. I agree with that completely. Like I do agree with that. Um, I do think he will come back. This is this is, this is why I said it was a terrible take. Don't get me wrong. It's a terrible take. 
But this is why I would buy stock in him. And maybe maybe it's the the reverse, right? I'd buy stock in him, and if it results in him being a trade chip, then great. Like, if you were like, yeah. Like, if I was the Kings, if I was like OKC, one of these guys that are like, we have a little more time with this guy. Right. You're coming in with an all-defensive player. Like, we know that. Like, a, what was he, second team this year, right? Yeah, second straight year. So, like, I don't know. I would say – I think we as a fan base are extra down on him and I, I would buy, I'd buy low, whether it's us buying low or another team, team buying low. Yeah. Like, Look, and maybe if that's I were it, the like, Pelicans and I have Fred Vincent as my shooting coach and I'm like, yeah. I see that I might be able to make him into like a PJ Tucker level shooter. Yeah. Then sure. That's different. Uh, one of my biggest frustrations with the Sixers is they've never invested in that. They've ne- they don't like, I don't even know if they have a shooting coach. Do How, they? Can, does anyone have an insight to that? Can we can we ask like like yeah. can, can you send me a can we ask Kyle you know? to walk around and just say like are you the shooting coach? Yes or no? Are you the <laughs> just go coach? up to random guys. Just go to every single person and then let us know if one person said yes. Like how is this so hard? Can we steal Kyle Korver from the Brooklyn Nets because he taught Bruce Brown how to shoot? And Bruce Brown uh, became a pretty decent three-point shooter this year. And also, at one point, the Nets traded us Kyle Korver for a copy machine. So I that think that good. that would be fantastic just to relive that history. Just take well, I mean, how about this? Take the you know, take whatever how to shoot book that the Spurs have, and just copy that. Literally, use go. the copy machine, print out fifteen copies. Levels to this. <laughs> Levels to this shit. <laughs> like, how is how is the shooting coach not? the the most expensive person on the team. Like, I how do you I, not go to what's his name Chip Chip and Chip England? I know Chip England and I know Fred Vincent. Those are the two that I know. How do you not go to them and be like, what are you getting paid? A million dollars? It's probably not a million. And just like, all right, we'll no, give you a million. It's like probably like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Like, why is that not the thing? You should be, like uh, the Raptor shooting that, coach should get paid five hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, like give him more. <laughs> yeah. like, as an, like seriously, as an investment, if you're like, yo, wait. I I had Ben Simmons. He could do everything. I have Thibel, and for like an extra six hundred thousand dollars a year that we're gonna spread out over fifteen people, you know, and it's a write off. Like, why wouldn't you put money into that? It makes the most sense. It doesn't make any sense to me that it's not something that we've maybe they maybe they do behind the scenes. I know that they they've brought in more development guys because more. I mean, one of the things is like when you have no room to work with because you have Joel Embiid on his crazy on his crazy big contract, Tobias Harris on his, James Harden on his. Like you really have no flexibility on the margin. So like investing stuff into second round draft picks and things like the heat and the Raptors do like teams that are just like, we gotta, we gotta win on the margins plus win at the top. Like we gotta have the top end talent, but we also have to win on the margins. That is something that I feel like they are trying to do. But once again, I don't know if doc is the coach for that. Cause like maybe all of this stuff is happening behind the scenes and we just never get to see it in games because doc just has a way that he wants to go about things. Maybe I have no idea. I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I would love to just go in and see if they're like ever. I've never seen, like I used to see videos of Ben Simmons, like shooting jumpers. And like, since he got to the Nets, like, you know, every summer, like we'll get some this off season. Well, you know, we'll, we'll all collectively laugh now, but like, I've never seen a video of that with Thibault. Like, I don't think I've ever seen one from practice 
I don't think I've ever seen a camera with him. Yeah. Yeah. We know he has a camera. Like, bro, you got a tripod. Just set that shit up in the corner. Like, literally. Edit. Like, you know how to edit. Just edit out all the misses. Come on, man. This this is up your wheelhouse. Fire up Premiere Pro. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I would pay the shooting coach a billion dollars. Yes. So if you're a shooting coach and you're listening to this, just literally just hire Drew Hanlon. I just watched Jason Tatum, who was like a chucker in college. And like now is he always had a good base skill set to work with. He was mm-hmm. always a very good free throw shooter. But like now he's one of the best shooters in the NBA and he just led his team to the finals. Like we can't just get like be like, look, Drew, we'll give you a mil like you're not making a million off of your like you're making a lot of money. You're not making a million a year. We could get you a million a year. Yeah, you can be yeah, a, there. You go. Like you can hang out with Joel all the time if you want. Maxie will be your friend. Like, come on, like Drew, like do it, please, Drew Hanlon. If you're listening, become the Sixers shooting coach. One million dollars. One million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I want to deal with Sixers fans all the time. I had the Fultz situation. I'm good. You fucking psychos. Yeah. Dude, I've, I've been to his gym. I've I've seen him train people. Pure um, sweat. And- uh, yeah, it's it's like in a little ass like high school gym. It's not fancy. It's really. Well, I can tell you a story. I can tell you a story off the air. uh, A funny. I I can't. I can't say. I can't say it on air. But all right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. But you know, it's 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 about the it's about the work that happens in the house. It's not about the size of the house. You know, right? There's grinding in there. Hey, man, you could get a really nice house if you're a shooting coach, Drew. We'll give you a million. There you go. (laughs) Six year shooting coach Drew Hanlon. It has a nice ring to it. Um. Okay. So two quick things before we get into some other stuff. You saw Joel Embiid's tweets, I'm assuming, right? About the game. About soccer, right? About uh, yes. Real Madrid. Real yeah. Madrid. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay. Yeah. He's actually covertly trying to uh, get Luca to come to the Sixers because Luca like played that. for Real Madrid and he's oh. a Real Madrid fan. Ooh. So he was tweeting about them as a so they can have a bonding experience. Of, I that's, like this, my, the that's my Trilluminati. I like this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I literally had a podcast called Tr- Trilluminati at one point, so I appreciate oh, really? that reference. Yeah, oh, okay. So, stay woke. You didn't even know well, that. I stay didn't woke. know. I, I really don't want to go to the archives for that one. <laughs> because Embiid doesn't actually recruit. I just have to make up shit in my head yeah, and make myself it. feel better it. about it. Yep, but yep. speaking of recruiting, in the tweets, he's saying, you know, Miami needs another star. And everyone's like – Oh no. I tweeted out the Jordan Peele gif where he's just drenched in sweat. Like, what are we going to do? Like, I do think that I, I, I'm going into this year saying we need to make the Eastern Conference Finals because if we don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, Joel Embiid, if he's not already looking around, he's certainly getting to the point where. He's probably like, all right, let's make some moves. Let's do some shit. Let's make this into a legit contender because. I don't know what Miami's going to do this offseason. I don't think that they're going to make a big splash trade unless someone becomes available and says, send me to Miami. Like if they got, if, if in free agency, they got like Zach Levine or something, that would be horrible for us. But also, especially because he's just like such a heat culture guy, like works really hard. His dad was a pro football player. Like, you know, like he would buy in, he'd probably become a good defender somehow. And they would be, they would have, we would have, multiple teams we'd have to go up against with these two-way wings who can score and defend and whatever. But unless something like that happens, like I do think that like Jimmy has been flirting with him from afar and Joel and Jimmy have this like public relationship. That's like, 
if he were to ever ask for a trade, I do feel as though it would probably be to Miami. And I think Jimmy's too stubborn to ever come back to Philadelphia after everything that happened. So if they did want to ever play together again, it would have to be in Miami and like, We'll see how what Miami does this offseason because the East is going to be much better next year. And Jimmy might get to the point where he's like, all right, you know, Bam Adebayo, good player. I need a great player to play with in order to win a title. And those two together is my nightmare in Miami because <laughs> I hate the Heat. And I, I, I was rooting for them to win the Eastern Conference Finals just because I didn't think they had a shot against the Warriors, and I think the Celtics do. But I am – I will say the tweets – you know, he tweeted afterwards, like, oh, Boston just has too many weapons. Like, he's just doing commentary on the game. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. oh, no, yeah, yeah, oh. And then he sends out, like, the laughing face emojis. I'm definitely starting to get a little bit nervous, though. I'll say that much. Um, I'm not that nervous. I'm not that nervous. I think Joel is a troll. I think he loves yeah. this stuff. He knows what he's doing, right? And I think, look, Sixers fans are also the easily the most triggered fans in all of sports. Like you can you can say anything and they will lose their fucking minds. Like I think it's like, and I think it's like sometimes I think with Joel it's like hey hey sometimes you guys boo me, and so sometimes I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna boo you back, and this is how I boo you back, and it's harmless and it's like I just want you guys to shit your pants once in a while uh, <laughs> because I like to do that you know like it, and I think the give and take is fair like if we're allowed to boo Joel who is literally playing with a broken face sometimes, <laughs> then I think he's allowed to like poke, poke back at us. Um, but the truth is like, I think we do this thing sometimes where like so much of what actually like, like the worry of stars leaving and things like that. So much of what actually happens is out of anyone's hands and it's all just random. Right. Like we, we've seen this time and time again, right? Like, even with like the Celtics, right? Like right now, like I, like everyone's like, oh, Celtics, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, I'm going to be that guy. Like they, they played every team that was hurt. Like, like we are glancing over the fact that they had to go to two game sevens where the other team didn't have their second or third best player. Like, like as much as like you want to say like Chris Middleton's whatever, like that dude's their second best player. Yeah. And like, you know, oh, like, and same thing with the Heat. Like, oh, you beat us. Joel didn't have a face. Like, he literally didn't. Like, he's playing with a broken face, you know? And sometimes, like, that's just the way things happen. So, like, next year, like, where are we at? I don't know. Like, does Jimmy Butler get hurt? Are they are they the Miami Heat of this year? Or are they the Miami Heat of last year getting swept in the first round? And then is if they're getting swept in the first round, is Joel really trying to go there? True. Is Joel ever going to year. play a playoffs where he's not injured? That's something too. Like, yeah. like Joel, like as much as Joel can complain about like, oh, we got to be a contender. We have to be a contender, right? Like I, I get that attitude. Like, hey man, like that's on you. Like we're a contender if you're not hurt in the playoffs. When you yeah. are hurt, we're not a contender. That's like, that's that's just it, man. Like I know you want us to be a contender, but like, and look, obviously it wasn't his fault he broke his face, but like, like we're not worried about like, you know, Danny Green's injury, like where it's it's you, man. Like you you gotta step up and and I don't know. I would have to look at the numbers, but I feel like he doesn't necessarily step up in the playoffs. Like you might know this better than me. I mean, 
Look, he's got some good games, but like, yeah, I mean, look, he doesn't have a signature run. I mean, it's not like, like, like this felt like it was going to be the first time where he was able to have a signature run. We get to the Eastern Conference Finals. That Toronto shot. That was was the move. That's what felt like it kind of set things off, right? Yep. Then he gets hurt. You know, he gets hurt in that game. And then he gets hurt in the last game because we can't like wrap up the series and all that shit. And like, look, like. If people are done on Joel Embiid right now that are not Sixers fans, I really can't blame them because part of being an all-time great player is literally being able to play in the playoff games and like, or at least be 100% in those playoff games. And like, you know, it, it does feel as though like he's never played a full playoffs. Like every single year he misses at least two games. Yeah. And if that's the case, we're not winning shit. So yeah. I do think that, and, and the numbers do dip a little bit. I think that the numbers dip a little bit, but I I couch that a little bit with he was not the same guy until last year that he is now. Yeah, that's very fair. That's he very fair. A He's leap. a different player. Yeah, He's And he made a leap. Player. And in that Atlanta series, which we lost, we won the minutes with Joel on the court by a pretty significant margin. He averaged 30 points a game on insane efficiency and played great defense. Like – all things considered, could he have been better in game seven? Yes. Could he have been better in game four? Yes. 100%. Totally agree. But a large amount of the time when Jason Tatum scores 12 points for the Boston Celtics, you know, they have guys on that team that can make up for when Jason yeah. Tatum scores 12 points. Yeah. Like, you know, he had one game, he had one or two games this series where he was legitimately not good and the other five he was very good. And like, Joel's had the same thing against, I would say, weaker opponents. Yeah. And I would say that, like, if he doesn't have this signature run either next year or the following year or whatever it is, then I do think that you can start to criticize his playoff resume as a whole because it's not very good. If yeah. You, like, it, it, except for the post leap when he was healthy, which is like eight games, nine yeah. games. Like, it's not a large sample. Yeah. So that's why I'm like not too worried about him leaving per se. Cause yeah. like for him to like leave, then he has to be, he has to pull like what Jimmy Butler did this year and be like, I gave it every single thing I can and I dominated. And James Harden, Tobias Harris just aren't good enough and we're stuck with right. their contracts. So like, you know, you know, on the Super Hoopers, they asked, they're like, oh, how do you feel going in? And I was like, look, I feel, you know, going into the playoffs, I, I felt really good. But I was like, but I also know that you have Doc, Embiid, and Harden, and uh, all three of them don't sometimes just don't show up for the playoffs. So it's like it's like a real thing. Um, but I, I also will couch that by saying that I don't necessarily believe that kind of thing. Um, because, like, look, we, we used to say that about Kyle Lowry, right? That of guy course. falls apart and then comes. Dirk Nowitzki. Yep. And then then with the Raptors, you saw it was Lowry who won that that series over like Kawhi was like like hobbling. Yeah, he was, he was by the end. He It was really that game six was Siakam and Lowry like right? carried them. And so like the only like so I don't think that's necessarily a thing. Like I don't quite get that. Um, unless you're CP3, then then I absolutely believe. Then it. you're just cursed, I, like it's. Then, yeah, then I believe it. I I will yeah, slander yeah. CP3 all the well, time. Well, he's also what 37, and like his playoff resume isn't really that bad. It's just like a handful of really bad 
moments and like injuries yeah. and shit. And like, that's kind of what defines a lot of people's careers. Even if they end up one of the 30 best players of all time, whatever he is like, yeah. and, and I do think that like, when it comes to this whole like big picture thing, you could, like you said, like you can rewrite your story. Like you could like, Jimmy yeah. Butler was not thought to be like a playoff killer until the bubble, really. Like we knew no. that he was like he had moments in the playoffs where we were like, oh shit, like Jimmy Butler. Like in that Raptor series, he had like two or three games where you were like, wow, like he like he can like really like carry an offense from time to time and whatever. But ultimately, until the bubble happened, no one was like playoff Jimmy. And he was 20 yeah. or he's 30 years old. Like yeah. and yeah, now yeah, he's 32, right? and he actually just had for the first time in his career, his numbers went significantly up in the playoffs instead of like staying around the same. Like even when it was the bubble, even when it was 2019, his numbers were about the same that they were in the regular season. Like he was essentially having the same amount of impact. But the thing is that he would have these really high, high highs. And that's what he did again this year where like he'll have the 45 point almost triple double game. And you're like, holy shit. And then he'll have a game where you're like, all right, he scored 12 points. I'm yeah. like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, why yeah. he isn't considered in that top five level player because it's just not consistent enough. And like Joel, maybe it's due to injuries. Maybe it's just due to like, it's hard to build around a center in the modern NBA and have that as like your main guy when it comes to playoff time. Maybe it's just like, maybe he, he won't ever get to the point where he's just like that good and healthy in the playoffs. But like, he need like the the Toronto moment was like probably his first signature moment in the playoffs. Like I I I think that he was ultimately like our run got cut short because of the injury, and I think people really respect the fact that he played through that injury, and I think that yeah. they will cut him some slack because of that. Same same thing that they're doing with Jimmy Butler right now, which is like look, he was like battling through injuries, like he was trying to carry the team, but like. I do think that, like, moving forward, if Joel were to ever get to the point where he would, like, think about leaving the Sixers, he definitely would have to have, like you said, like, like I put everything out there. I was busting my ass. I was carrying us through this. And not just, like, I was a beast defensively and, like, we won the minutes. Like, no, I took over games and, like, no one could fucking stop me. Yeah, exactly. So, so look, yeah, we, we got to see it, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he should have been the MVP this year. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, he didn't even get I, first team. That, that that's to me is crazy. And I I I told uh, um I, I'm gonna name drop. Told told uh, KOC. <laughs> I'll tell. I told KOC because he said he voted for Jokic, right? And I told him I was like, look, right. man. I was like, I get that, but here here's the thing. We don't know, and this is not the voters' fault. But we never know if Joel will ever be this healthy again and put together a season like this where he can aver- he can win the scoring title. And, like, are you as a voter going to say you never got to a chance to vote for Joel as MVP? You know what I mean? Like, that's that, that could be a miss on you. And he was like, ah, that's a fair point. Because it's like, I don't think you can tell the story of this year without talking about Joel Embiid. Jokic, like, what was it? What was were you ever like, ooh, Nuggets are on tonight, must see TV? But, but no, you did it. it well, you did like, it when we played the the Warriors. You did it when we played um, the Nets, right? The storyline, him getting hit in the face, him hitting that game winner. It was like this was his year, and I just uh, it's like fingers crossed we get more years of this because it was the year he didn't get hurt, and he it was so damn fun and so exciting. 
And I just hope that is, we get more seasons of that. Yeah, I mean, I had someone Francis Zomes who I've who I've brought. Oh yeah, up yeah, I follow him on Twitter. He's really good on Twitter. Yeah, so Francis had a great uh, thing about how he can like picture the articles being written next season when it's like Joel Embiid stopped caring about individual awards and he's playing the best basketball of his oh, life God. kind of thing. Where it's like he 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 does the load management thing more. He's healthier. He's fresher. He's yeah. caring more about defense than offense. And he can kind of be a part of the offense instead of the entire hub of the offense. And look, like I've said it before, I'll say it again. I would rather him preserve his own health so that he's available when the games really matter and when your legacy is defined and not against the Orlando Magic dropping 50 points in February, which is extremely impressive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He did it in like 30 minutes. He was yeah. fucking unbelievable. That was wild. That was but, wild. But also like Jokic and Embiid and Giannis, like they can do that pretty much anytime they want in the regular yeah. season. Like it's, yeah. it's fucking light work to them. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And it's the reason why like Luca, who kind of just like half-assed the first half of the season was just like, yeah, whatever. It was still amazing because he's Luca, but like, just was like, yeah, I'm going to turn it on for the fucking playoffs. And like, I'm going to show that I'm, that I'm a motherfucker basically. And I I wish that Joel had that attitude. And I think that this season will hopefully the, hopefully the lesson he'll take from it is that, uh, you know, being being healthy for the playoffs is the most important thing, and and if you want to create a legacy, that's that's where you create your legacy, and it's not in these games that honestly no one really cares about. But you know, I host a bi- basketball podcast, and by January, I'm like, all right, trade deadline playoffs, let's go. Yeah, like, yeah, right, right. You get right. it, you know. You get it. You're really yeah. good. You score point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I just hope Maxi becomes that guy. Yes, I think okay. Maxi can be that guy. And I'm, I'm, he's the one I'm super, super excited for. I know you were, you were early on him. I feel, I, I remember being super, super early on him. That's probably one of my greatest takes. Yeah. Uh, but you were right. Like I watched, um, well, what's his name? Mike, Mike Schmidt, right? Who, uh, is now the Mike assistant. Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. Assistant something to the Nuggets. Is that it? Yes. Or to the Blazers. Blazers. That's right. Yes. Assistant. GM. I watched an interview with him. And I was like, who, who is this like 19 year old kid that's in the gym at 5 a.m. every day? And I agree 100% when you said there's some people that just, this is all they love. Yeah. And he was talking about like his, his shooting angle and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this guy like gets it. Yep. And uh, I'm so glad he fell to us. And I think I can't wait till he realizes that he's the guy. You know, like he started getting that earlier this year. And then I think when they threw in James Harden, he was like, okay, well, am I like, where am I now? I hope in the offseason, everyone kind of comes in being like, all right. Like, it's, it is hard to win a championship when you trade for a big star like that late. You know what I mean? Like, this year was always going to be difficult to win it all. But I hope they come into this year being like, all right, here's the deal. And Maxie's like, all right, so, so I got to be the guy sometimes. And it's like, yeah, man. Yeah. You like Harden ain't the guy. Harden ain't the guy yeah. anymore. He'll pass you the the ball, but you gotta be the guy. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I do think that he's gonna come back. Like if you told me we're sitting here eight months from now and we're talking about uh, Tyrese Maxey in the All Star game, like potentially. Like I'm he not. Did. Like I really don't want to put a, a limit on this kid's ceiling because it's like actually a smooth transition to what I want to talk about next, which is the fact that like the franchise basically leaked to Kyle Newbeck and Paul Hedrick and all of the, the great beat writers that cover the team that were like, yeah, we're not trading Maxi. Like he's part of our yeah. future plans. Like 
unless Giannis becomes available tomorrow, where he's good. Like, we, and that is the kind of thing that I, I've, I've, I keep sound like a fucking broken record on this podcast, but like one of the things that I, I constantly talk about is the fact that I would rather lose with a guy like Tyrese Maxey than win with certain guys like that are not as enjoyable to root for. Like oh, there yeah. are. Yes. There are guys that are like more talented and more like, you know, they're these massive wings that can score and do whatever. But like, I find pleasure in rooting for Tyrese Maxey and I enjoy watching him play basketball more than maybe any sixer that I can ever remember, including like my favorite guys, like obviously Embiid and Iggy and Iverson and whoever I've watched throughout my life. Like, it really does feel as though investing in this kid. And like giving him more, like more, I don't want to say like free reign, but like more reigns over everything that like he, like he can be more of a primary guy. Yeah. When when Joel and, and Harden are on the bench, he can be a secondary guy with them. He can be flexible. He can be the guy some nights, some nights he's not. And he he's just going to want to do whatever it takes to get better and whatever it takes to win. And I feel as though I feel like the next level for him really is like. I think if he just works on his handle, like, cause like his passing and playmaking isn't great. And like, he has moments where I'm like, whoa, like he'll make like a read or like a, like a, a little skip pass. And I'm like, all right, like he has the, the passing flashes, like the, the, like he processes the game quick enough that like, I think he could get to a level where he's like a good playmaker passer. Yeah. But like the next thing to me is like, just make sure like defensively, he's always going to struggle in certain matchups because of his size. I think he did a pretty good job. All things considered in the playoffs when they were asking yeah. him to switch onto bigger guys and all that stuff. But the handle is the next big step to make. Cause like, if you look at the history of guys that are in that mold of player of Tyrese, it's like you, you work on your handle, which I know he will be this off season. Like, if he can get to the point where he's manipulating guys off the dribble with his handle, he's breaking dudes down. He's getting the defense to rotate because he's blowing by guys with his handle. He's hitting step backs. He's doing whatever. Like it's just going to make him such an unbelievable player. And I think that like investing in your own guys is like the move. Like look at every team, like look at the yeah. two teams in the finals. Yeah. It's, it's, They're all their guys. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And and the Sixers, I think, in a, in a lot of ways, try that, right? Yes. I think they would have tried with. I mean, they're doing it with Joel. They would have tried it with Ben Simmons if he didn't fucking crap himself and and yeah, just uh, I can't even believe it. Like, so like yeah, but I agree, man. There's nothing more fun than watching a guy you draft, especially that like just falling to us. You know, I I oh man, I thought Miami was going to grab him. He is such a Heat culture guy. And yeah. when they didn't draft him, I was fucking celebrating. Um, and yeah, man, he is so when the Celtics series fun. with Tyrese Maxey, you heard it here first. Yes. Dude, <laughs> think about this. I forgot who tweeted it. And I don't know if it was you, but someone was like, Maxey doesn't even have a bag yet. Yeah. He doesn't even have a bag. Like, like he's so nice. And like, I don't know how he makes these layups, right? Like sometimes you're like, dude, no way. And then it just goes in. He has that that Kyrie touch that's like yes. almost impossible. But he doesn't even have a bag. And when he gets one, holy shit, that dude's gonna be so good. Like yep. his shooting was not a fluke. Like early in the year, you're like, okay, maybe it's a fluke. He's like, no, this dude can just shoot and he can shoot from yeah, he's insanely good at shooting. Yeah. And like he he is 
he's going to be our second best player, I think, by next year. Wow. I think, I think, I think so. I think you're going to look at it because James Harden, James Harden has to change his game, right? I don't think the old James Harden comes back. I, I do think there's some like I keep saying like, look, if you are a stripper in the Philadelphia area, please convince James to go vegan. Can we? We need <laughs> vegan Harden. All right. Like if you're, you know, diamond, cinnamon, whatever you know. If you're listening Plant to Harden, let's get it. Yeah, let's 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 get vegan Harden. Let's get him to lose a little weight. Stop eating helmets full of ice cream during the playoffs. One of my favorite photos of all time. Um, get him in shape. Like the last two years, he's he's had bad hammies. Like let's get him in shape and let's see what he can be. But I mean, Joel said it. You're not getting Houston Harden anymore. He's got to change his game. So who's going to be that guy to step up? And I think it's it's easily Maxi. It's not Tobias, you know. Um, and that dude is so nice. Like he 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 can get to the rim at will. He can hit threes. And you're right, defense. He's got to get better at, which is like a thing young players struggle with, right? He's gonna be he's gonna be fine. That that, that is one thing too. Like a lot of like basketball and things like this is like learning your opponents and you learn by playing against them. Like, like how, like think about it. like how many times has he played against Devin Booker? Like three times, four times, maybe at yeah. most. So like, as he gets more and more reps and he's like, Oh, I know a book likes to go right. You know, or like, okay, when they run the pick and roll, he did. So now like as a defender, you start learning these things, these tendencies. So I think he'll just naturally get better at that. And yeah, man, like, I think it's me. I say that because I believe in Maxi so much, and I also don't necessarily believe in Harden as much as as he is. So yeah, I think he'll easily be our second best player. I mean, he was our second best player before we got Harden, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I, mean I think him and Seth were jockeying for it, but uh, probably yeah, by the time we yep. got Harden, it was yeah, it was it was definitely like, and after we got Harden, that version of Maxi, those the two weeks after Harden got here, and he was just shot out of a cannon. That was a fucking yeah. sight to see. Like he was clearly our third best player at that point. And uh, my thing is like, I've, I've always argued. I think that Harden will age a little bit gracefully because I think that he will be able to adapt his game because he's a basketball genius. Like yeah. he, he's just like really smart. Like he, he processes the game so quickly that like he can, he can make any pass. He can become he can become hopefully all-star level Ricky Rubio, but in the playoffs, not uh, you know completely shit the bed. Uh, that, I, that is that's the hope. I, and I, I I feel that, and I agree with you. My only issue that I worry about is does he realize he's not as athletic as he once was? That's the thing. I think I think mentally he can transition to like, hey man, I gotta I'm a passer now. I gotta get you know. I've never played yeah. with a center like this. I got to get him the ball. I've never played with a maxi that can drive to the basket like this, you know, outside of maybe you could say Chris Paul or whatever, but like <clears throat> not that, he, that version of Chris Paul was like not that exactly. Like so he's never really had that guy either that I mean, I guess you would say really like Russ. I was yeah, going to say Russ would, but Russ didn't have the shot that Maxi had, so. Exactly. So but does he realize that he's not really breaking people down like he used to and he can't just drive? Because I think that was the most frustrating thing of watching Harden this year was like sometimes where you're like, dude, you're just like – you look like me just driving to the basket and like right. hoping for a foul. Like something like yeah. – that, that wasn't a move. 
that was like you just like kind of fell forward and you're not getting the calls anymore, buddy. So that's where I think if he can kind of realize that and or maybe it was just a health issue, maybe it was a little bit of both, you know, like, hey, I'm not getting the calls like I used to. So I got to figure out my game and, and play it slightly differently. Then, yeah, I think he could be back to being I mean, obviously not MVP Harden, but like. Give me last really, year's really good. Give yeah, me, yeah. Give me last year's version of James Harden exactly for the hamstring injury. <laughs> like he had dipped a little bit, but he was becoming that facilitator. He yeah. was becoming the guy that was the core piece of the offense. But he also had like a little bit of burst to him. He had the yeah. the step back fell more regularly. He didn't have to completely rely on you know his rim frequency went down, his finishing numbers went down, but he didn't completely crater in a way that would be concerning. But yeah. kind of just like wrapping up this point is, is the fact that like, I do think that every, the the pieces that we put around them are going to be just as important as them. Because if you do plan on giving Harden a ton of money this off season, and if you have Embiid, we'll see what happens with Tobias. I'm not really too worried about that right now, but you can't build the top heavy roster that you built and then not optimize the pieces around them. Because like, I'm fine with building a top-heavy roster and hoping that Joel Embiid and James Harden and Tyrese Maxey are good enough by the time the playoffs roll around, but you better hope that your 4 through 10 is reliable or your 4 oh, through 8 is reliable because ultimately, like what, the downfall of this team, even with all of the injuries, even with all of everything that happened, I could get mad at Doc, all that shit. The fact is we had 4.5 to 5 maybe – Five and a half tops playable players in the playoffs. When was the last time someone won the championship that top heavy without great four to eight? Or yeah, four to eight. Or it was the Bucks last year, and the Bucks, the Bucks shortened their rotation to seven by the finals. And honestly, like think about the Bucks. Pretty good other players, right? Pat Connaughton. I mean, like like Pat Connaughton was the seventh man. PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis were like the two guys. Like they had, you either started PJ because Dante DiVincenzo got hurt. So it was your three guys, Drew, Middleton, Giannis, and then Brooke, who, by the way, amazing top four. Not taking anything away from that. Very, very good top four. But then after that, it was like PJ Tucker, who like on some nights was great, and then some nights was just completely not. Like he played 17 minutes in the last game last night of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like he does that sometimes, where he's just not really that playable because he can't hit shots, and that's all he can do offensively. And he's then, better than any guy that we have for sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like my point is that like the these kind of PJ Tucker types were acquirable, and like. If you really, if your main focus was like, let's build a top heavy roster and have like an okay bench yeah, with Bobby Portis, who no one thought was good before last year, by the way, yeah. everyone thought Bobby Portis sucked. And then PJ Tucker, who was like, you know, looking kind of cooked in Houston, like once again, being creative, figuring out guys that you can have a Nicholas Batum like resurrection of their career mm-hmm. yeah. or figuring out guys who you can develop in-house so that you have a Pat Connaughton that you can throw in there as your seventh man, and he can hit some threes and play defense and do whatever you need to do. Because that is the one thing that has completely restricted the Sixers, which is like just like the lack of creativity both with young guys and old guys. Like, I know we try to go after the – we tried to go after Batum. We tried to go after Tucker. But, like, 
They didn't get the fucking deals done. So, like, yeah. get the deals done. Get your guys in here. <laughs> give me some dogs. And at the same time, try to do kind of what Golden State does, which it's very easy to do it when you have the culture that Golden State does. <laughs> well, but like, yeah. And you have Steph Curry. Like, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that helps. Like, Steph Curry Steph is just play. significantly yeah. better than any player that's on the Sixers. And yeah. even Joel Embiid. And the, the thing is, is that, like, you – you you can do both is my point here. You can yeah. develop, like I was a skeptic of Golden State's plan until I saw it this year, where it was like you can do the old with the new. Like you can do both at the same time, and it doesn't have to completely kind of like I thought they were insane for for not cashing in some of their picks and going all in and whatever. Like no, like you can get guys to develop. You can find veterans on cheap deals. Like you can do this as long as you're smart and creative. Yeah, and and it's a shame that I think like a lot of the younger guys. Well, it, it's it's a tough call, right? Because like you, you would look at our young guys that they tried, right? And you got what we're talking like Shake, talking Ferk. But even uh, if you just go, even okay, yeah, recently, yeah, yes, okay, like, Shake, like, Ferk, like, no, no, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, Thibel, Paul Reed. So it's like we're kind of there, but none of them really popped off. Oh, well, Maxi, Maxi's popped off. We got to, yeah, got to give that's it. credit. But like, yeah, it's like Shea kind of fell off this year. Furcon, like, what happened to him? You know, and Reed's still like, I think a little young. He's got to get better, and maybe Bassie something. So maybe we're maybe we're close on to something. I don't know. There, there, there's no reason that Paul Reed can't get to like a uh, a loony level of good. Yeah, like he can be a backup. He should be a backup. Exactly. Like a fringe starter backup type yeah. where like you can just play like he can figure it. They're very different players, but just within the same concept of like having an impact as like your fifth starter or your first guy off the bench, or your second guy off the bench, whatever yeah. it is. Like, I think that they, I, the, the, the young guys that I would keep for sure, obviously Maxie's not even, you don't even have to think about it. We already said he's untouchable, but the young guys I would definitely keep are like, I would keep, I would keep Springer. I would keep Reed. I would keep, and then I would pro I would definitely keep Bassey because he's just like all only still in his rookie contract and was just drafted and, and showed flashes. And I think I would keep Isaiah Joe just because like oh Isaiah Joe yeah yeah because like the shooting mm. element yeah. of him if he can ever get onto the court for an extended period of time and the shooting is real and can and I think it is. Uh, because he was an insane shooter in college and he's shown games where he has these insane shooting nights. Like, I just think that like, unless you're getting real value back for these guys in a trade this offseason, which is the big thing with everyone's freaking out about Springer. And then I'm like, all right, do me a favor and go look at like, how many guys do we do this with? Especially guys that are 19 years old. Like, where we're like, oh, they're not good. Oh, they suck. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, Grant Williams, everyone thought he sucked two years ago, and, like, he's pretty good. He's, like, in the rotation yeah. for the Celtics no, right now. And, yeah. like, there are guys ever – Jordan Poole was, like, literally the worst player in the NBA two years ago. And now he's, like, legitimately really fucking good. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is, like, the standard. This is what happens every single time. But, like, you don't just give up on guys after one or two years. Like, if they suck after three years and they're – especially the guys that are a little bit older and, like, they haven't developed and whatever, like, that's to the point where I think you're like, all right, we can maybe move this guy for a more impact player that, like, even might just be a fringe rotation guy. But, like, we're just, like, he's doing nothing for us. But, like, I'm very much against giving up on guys after one or two years unless you're getting legitimate value back for them in a trade. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah, I forgot about Isaiah Joe. He was, he was a nice pickup too. Like, I think we have some young guys 
that just like I don't know. We just need them to like really develop. We just need and get them to better. be seventh and eighth men. That's the yeah, thing. Is like exactly. it's not even like we're like Knicks fans who are like Emmanuel quickly is God. Like we're yeah, we're literally yeah, right. like because he's the first guard that they've seen dribble a basketball and shoot yeah. in forever. Like we're literally just like hey, like you can just play like fifteen minutes a night, right? Like yeah. our bar's pretty low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what always kills me about like losing these late first round picks. You know what I mean? Because like they. And when you hit on one of them, they're just so valuable. And there's always well, they got another there. opportunity coming up soon. They'll get. Yeah. I think they're gonna they're gonna nail the pick again this year. They have yeah. every year of the Maury uh, era, so I'm not I'm not too. But my worry is Maury loves to get rid of these picks. Well, yeah, you I, mean, I mean the twenty third pick. You got to see how the board shakes out. That's what he yeah. does every year. Because like when Maxi fell to us, he was like, "There's no way we're trading this pick." Yeah. When Springer fell to us, he was like, "Uh." apparently a little bit on the fence was like, we like Springer as a prospect, but like we're not opposed to trading this pick away. If we got an offer that we really like, we saw how the board shook out, whatever. Then now we're at the point where it's like kind of a weaker draft. We'll see if they'll probably get the 23rd pick. And like, if we're there on draft night and they get to 23 and they don't like any of the prospects that are on the board, I'm fine with trading the pick. Like I'm fine with trading the pick to get like, even if it's an eighth man that's like on like a decent contract, like a Tory Craig level guy or someone that's maybe even a little bit better than him. But like, that's kind of just my general point. Yeah. I just mean like down the future we're running, like, you know what I mean? We had to get rid of one for (laughs) Seth, for Seth. Right. Like things like that. No, 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 not for Seth. Uh, We have no fucking picks though. I mean, like we, that's what I mean. Every other year we don't have a first basically. Yeah. And that's where it gets a little scary because then, then you're not like when you miss on guys like Ferk, you know, yeah. or like, you know, you started like, okay, now, you know, or like a Thibault, like you're saying, like, okay, maybe it's time to move on from them. You need to be replenishing them, you know? Of course. And then it's like, you're, you're, your team changes so much when you get a Desmond Bain, you know, like a Tyrese Maxey, like you literally, like, like Desmond Bain is a guy that like, like what? Like that changed yeah. the fortune of a franchise. Like no one was like, this Memphis team is, you know, gonna be this good yeah and, and you're like oh no their second or third best player and like how many times have we seen these guys that are in their you know late draft picks in their 20s where you're like oh no like that changed everything you know so that's the, i would say that's the one thing i worry about you know but that's also kind of the nature of you know Going the win now thing yeah but you know i you were right like uh golden state did a outstanding job of that yeah, they proved me they wrong. They had the number two pick, and they wasted it and on they James Wise. Blew it, yeah. They, they blew, blew the number matter. two. The Suns and the Warriors somehow blew. Uh, they both blew lottery picks in the yeah. same draft, and they're totally fine and because of it. Fine. It seems like I mean, fine. it might come back to bite the Suns now because of whatever's happening there. But like the Warriors are totally fine, and they also could have had Labello Ball, which breaks my brain. But um, all right. Let's get to quick finals prediction. Who do you think is going to win, Warriors or Celtics? Oh, Warriors. Easy. I picked Warriors at the beginning of the year. (sighs) Last night I said five. Okay. I'll stick with it. I I just – look, Warriors, like, it's Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, (laughs) and Draymond Green still. And they've added all these other players, and they get uh, Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Big – is it junior or second? Second, yeah. Uh, Back. Um, GP two, like they're like they've been there before, and again Celtics, I get it. 
Nate, Nate Silver wrote some kind of math formula that said they were good a little <laughs> while ago. And now all the Twitter nerds have to be like, I told you, I told you. It's like, yeah, great. Like, okay, play without Chris Middleton, play with a hobbled Jimmy Butler and uh, Kyle Lowry, and then take them to game seven where you were an inch away from Jimmy Butler on one knee beating you. Yeah, Marcus like, Smart like, owes Jimmy Butler his life because – if Jimmy Butler misses that shot, Marcus Smart goes down or makes that shot and the Celtics lose that game, Marcus Smart goes down as he has he, as a villain in in Boston. He's been yeah. he's been a hero there for so long and he was a disaster down the stretch of that game just chucking and missing everything. I was like, "Oh my god, if they blow this game, like it would be it would be a level that I would I I just I I have seen I saw it with Ben Simmons last year, yeah. but it would be like just short of that because like Marcus Smart is just like a dog and like people respect him more. But and Warriors just like destroyed the Mavs. Like yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted because like on one hand, yes, they did destroy the Mavs. On the second half or the second point of that is like. Like no one really saw the Mavs get into the Western Conference Finals. Like I picked Fair. that I picked that series to go seven. Don't get me wrong. Like I I was like the way that Luke is playing right now. Like it should go seven. Like I do think that like the Warriors haven't really played anyone. Like I I think the Celtics have had an easy have had an easy road considering injuries, but they also still had to, to had to beat a team with Kevin Durant. They still had to beat a team with Giannis and. You know, the Heat, I am i don't really take them all that seriously. But, like, I don't think that they've had any sort of, like, cupcake road. I think that they've had, like, a decent, a decently hard road, and the Warriors are going to be their biggest test by far, for sure, because they're healthy, they have the, the top-end talent, they have the core, they have, they have a lot of advantages in this series that I feel like, even defensively, like, I think Boston's defense is a little bit better built for the playoffs with their switching, but I still think that like the Warriors defense is extremely good. The one question that I really have with the series is like, do the Warriors struggle? Cause the one team that the Warriors kind of struggled with in the playoffs, even though they were much, much better was the Grizzlies. And that's because the Grizzlies were, they had a lot of size, they had athleticism, they were able to get out running. They were able to do things that the Warriors were, you know, able to stop the other teams from doing essentially. So I'm going to be interested to see how the Warriors are in terms of rebounding in this series. If Robert Williams is healthy, then that could be a big factor. If he's not healthy, I don't like Boston's chances a lot. Like I think that, I think that the two swing pieces for this series for me are Robert Williams health and like whether he can be effective and good because he just changes what they can do on offense and defense when he's healthy. And then Jordan Poole's defense, because if Jordan Poole is out there and the Warriors offense is completely unstoppable and he can hang defensively and he's not getting completely targeted on switches by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, every possession then I really like the Warriors' chances. And I really think that, like, those are the two things that could swing this series from, like, you, what you said, like, Warriors in five to, like, if one of those two things goes in the breaks in the Celtics' direction, I could see this series going seven. I'm, I, I was tempted, like, I just think this is a really good matchup for the Celtics. Like, I don't think that the, I think the Warriors are the better team, but I think that like the one thing that the, the Warriors have shown that they struggle with are these big wing guys. And like the Celtics have multiple of them. And like, look, they shit the bed down, down the stretch of some of these games. And I think the Warriors, the fact that they've been there before is what's going to be the difference between these two teams is that like 
the Celtics, even though they've been in the conference finals and they've done all that, like this is the first time getting to that next level, getting to the finals. And I do think that just like having that experience and being like looking around and being like, Oh, we've been here before. Like we can do this. Like we have, we have Steph, even if it's a, not a, not as good version of all three of the guys, they'll be like, they'll, they'll always have something to fall back on essentially. So I think I'm going to pick Warriors in seven, to be honest. Like, I think that it's, I think the Celtics are going to push them. I think I, I would be pretty surprised if the Celtics won, but I'm not going to be surprised if it, like, if it comes down to like a seven game, a hard seven game series or a hard six game series. And like the Celtics are like really pushing them. I just think that like, the way that they played since January is just fucking crazy to me. Like I've never seen a turnaround like this before. And I, I think I trust the Warriors more, which is why I'll, I'll lean Warriors. But I, I'll say, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people are making it out to be. I, I, I look, I've been not believing in the Celtics all year and I've been wrong every time. So I could see <laughs> the Celtics winning. I could see it going to seven, but uh, as a Celtics hater, and as a guy who picked Damn the Warriors man. to win the whole thing from day one, that was my preseason go. prediction. It's Warriors in five, and it's a gentleman sweep. I would say that. I think. I hope I don't you're know, right. Man. I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like no. I'm, I'm probably wrong. It's probably six or seven to be. If I'm we'll being see. real, because Celtics have this thing that, like, yeah, some games they just they do this third quarter thing where like the game's close and they blow you out in the third, and it's just too hard to come back. And I could see that, but man. I don't know, man. Like Memphis was good, you know. Like Mavs were pretty yeah. good, and and they 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 put a beating on them. Well, I mean, Jaw did get hurt. Jaw did get hurt. Think, but let's think about the last five finals, and let's think about the circumstances of those teams winning. Giannis and the Bucks. Yeah, they had the best player. Giannis. Mm-hmm. They win the series in six. They come back. They win four in a row. Year before that. You have the Lakers, LeBron, clearly the best player in that series, even though Jimmy Butler played his ass off. Oh, wait. I think you mispronounced uh, Caruso. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, Caruso. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, Bubble KCP was on his Bubble KCP. Yeah. Um, the year before that, you know, Kawhi, Steph, like that's a little bit – that's a little bit like the way that Kawhi was playing in that playoffs – and the fact that the Warriors didn't have Kevin Durant and they lost Clay Thompson in the last yeah, game. And they all got that. hurt. There's a yeah. lot of context to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if okay. you go back the large majority of, like, finals, the team that has the best player, except for maybe those LeBron years when, they, when he was going up against the Warriors, like, the large majority of the time, the team that has the best player wins the finals. And Steph Curry's impact can't be measured in points. It can't be measured in assists and rebounds and percentages and all that shit. Steph Curry's impact is that he is on the court and everyone is terrified yeah. that he is going to get the ball and hit a three like, <laughs> at, at, at any given time. Like any moment. This is going to be he's the greatest. Omar, he's Omar from the wire. Yeah. It's just like, well, he's on the block somewhere. Yeah. We, we heard the whistle. He's here. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's just fucking. Be careful. around. Like, yeah, just like, all right, let's just leave because he's, we're going to see. We're going to see, because this is going to be the biggest test for the Celtics defense so far. This is way, way, way better offensively than any of the teams that they face so far. 
Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see how Derek White plays against Steph Curry because he's been awesome chasing guys around screens, but Steph is a different level of shooter. So, so we're going to see, we're going to see how, how, how much the, I mean, the Celtics are very much the nerd favorite for sure, because the Celtics are, they have a bunch of these like smart players who are like, they have the Al Horfords. They have the the Derek Whites. They have the the Grant Williams. Like they have yeah. a bunch of like former draft Twitter favorites and like guys yeah. who are just like oh they, like they yeah. play winning basketball. Marcus Smart like try like like they have a bunch of guys. And I actually think the Celtics seems pretty likable. I don't like Horford, but I like I like a lot of their guys. And yeah, it pains me to say that because I was rooting against them heavily in in the Eastern Conference Finals because I wanted the the Heat to win and then get crushed in the hmm. finals, but. Um, but I do think that like the nerd thing, I, it will be interesting because the Warriors were like the original, one of the original nerd wow. teams. So it's like the old school, like old school, 10 years ago, nerd team versus like the new school. Now the new nerd team. So what yeah. we're going to see, it's like, like, yeah, it's like, all of the nerds. it's like PER versus Raptor, right? Yeah. It's like, like if you grew up on PER and pl- Box plus minus, like you're a Warriors guy, but if you're like Raptor or LeBron or something like that, like you are now, now you're all, you know, you're boss. I'm a real so head, dude. Yeah, this is, this is great. I don't fuck with any of those new analytics. You know? Yeah, yeah, and the only, and the only loser is the uh, women that both sides can't please. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into our final thing here, which is our slop roundup. Oh, I yeah. love the slop. Slop them up. That's your best slop. bit, man. I, it's it. It's made me. I'm a made man off the slop. That that has been my. Uh, I just been my every time. It's like I need slop. It's like wow, love it. It's great. It's, it's great as a brand. It is an outstanding brand. Slop. Yeah, brand. I mean, it fits me. Look at me. Come it, on, it's great. Right. It is so good. So, okay, we have the big slop news that came out last week, which is Kevin Durant has not spoken to the Nets front office this season and the nets are unwilling to extend Kyrie long-term. So mm. I just want to say, I heard about three weeks ago, I had heard from someone who I trusted and I told a few other people about this because I was like, I'm pretty sure that this is true. I did not hear this. What I had heard was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have not talked and that Kevin Durant ha- is went over to, Europe basically to get away from all of the drama that happened this year with the Nets. And he kind of wanted to, you know, do his eat, pray, love thing for a little bit over in, uh, in Europe and go watch his boy, Mike James play basketball. And that the, the Nets were going to be open to trading Kyrie this off season. Ooh. I did not expect the fact that he would be not in touch with the front office at all. And now the nets are unwilling to extend. Like, just think about where the nets have come from, like where they've gone in a calendar year. <laughs> like, look, one of, one of the super Hooper's best takes and is proved to be true. Cause we're never wrong. Hashtag never wrong. Is that Sean Marks is a fraud. Sean Marks is a fraud. Okay. Um, Let's hear it. And he is a, uh, Writers that live in gentrified Brooklyn hipster world, like media sensation, like forever. They were like, Sean Marks, he built such a great team. Oh my God. Look at all these players. He's got like all, you know, it was a couple years ago before Kevin Durant. Oh, like, Spencer Bro, they were barely, and Joe yeah, Harris they were and... barely 500. 
You you don't you don't give a Jimmy GM credit for a team that's five hundred. I'm so I'm sorry. Like I I'm very sorry. This is not what we do. You had you had zero stars, and you were a five hundred team, and everyone's like, oh my god, Sean Marks is a genius. It's like yeah, because you all fucking ride your your no gear bikes to the same coffee shop, and you get on the internet and you write these stories that because Sean Marks are friendly. And then he does this magic, right? And he's like, oh, I traded all these parts for, for KD and then Kyrie and then James Harden. And we'll do, he's a genius. He's a genius. No, no. It's not, you've done nothing. You've done nothing. <laughs> you were a fucking seventh seed this year, right? Like, what are you doing? You, you went out and signed Ben Simmons. You were a fraud. Get out of here, Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. Like, get out of here. You're, 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 you're garbage. I don't want to well, hear it. I mean, Tell you me guys – you guys might end up being right in the end because now we, we have, yeah, we have yeah, the guy from, who doesn't believe the earth is round yes. is causing problems. I'm shocked. Wow. The, the guy that blew up the last two teams that he was on. I, I mean, we say this, but ironically we have James Harden on our team right now. We are aware of that though, right? Oh, like very, we're aware that this could aware. end at any moment. Any moment. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very aware with that. Yes. I do care a little bit more because like this whole Kyrie thing has, and the hardened stuff has taught me like you have to have guys to get along. Like, I mean, that's just like the, but like the bottom line is that stars run the NBA now. And if they're not happy, goodbye. And yeah. it used putting, to be the other way. You used to be able to I have mean, a Shaq and Kobe. Right. And you of could course. hurt each other and do that. But now, now it's, it's too easy. Yeah. The, the players have the power, which I'm not saying is wrong. I, I want no, players to have more power. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not rooting for the billionaires. Yeah, you know, I'll root for the millionaires, not the billionaires. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm an eth- I'm an ethical person. Yeah, <laughs> like come on, I'm a man of the people, right? <laughs> That's my but favorite yeah. thing too. Is like when people like go like they just like ride these like these athletes, and they're like, oh my god, like you, you know, and they just like defend them. Down. Like stop defending the one percent here. Like what are we doing? Like I don't like okay. what are we doing? The funny thing is, is that like as I I believe it was Ethan Sherwood Strauss wrote an article about how like. You know, and I have my issues with him that are other things, but like he, this article was really good. Like he did a really great job of like breaking down the fact that like a lot of these guys, like LeBron and Durant and all that, like they are management. Like they're the ones making the moves. Like they're it's not really player empowerment; it's manager empowerment. It's it's making the players into management, which is. Yeah in itself a conflict like it's not it's not like they're like oh i'm just one of the guys like they're like no i'm making the moves i'm deciding i'm making sure that this guy gets traded or this guy gets cut and whatever like that's that's not really play it's that's player empowerment for like 10 guys in the nba i mean it's like lebron has an agency yeah like like that line is so blurred right it's like clutch is lebron lebron is clutch like what are we like we get it you know so so I do just have a quick question for you. Yeah. Do you think Kyrie is back with the Nets next year? I do because okay. I don't think there's many other options. Same here. Who Who is like really going after it? And look, I think the Lakers, that's it. I don't know if LeBron does. I don't think him. And I think LeBron. Okay. I think LeBron would do it. I don't think he goes. I think he would say if we can get off the rust contract and you can give me one year of Kyrie, AD, LeBron in the West, I think he would just be like, fuck it. 
Like, I mean, I don't. What's the alternative? You you uh, have a season with Russell Westbrook and you're bad, and maybe you get along a little bit better. Like, I I don't know. I man. LeBron's pretty petty. I don't think he, him and Kyrie, whatever. Well, a couple things. I don't think Kyrie would play for him. Okay. You got, you got both, you have both issue. petty sides. So Kyrie isn't coming in welcoming arms. Yeah, there, there is a world where Kyrie's like, yeah, man, let's squash this. I got to get out of the East. I'll join you. Let's do this. My bad. You know, you're my big bro. We'll take care of this. I don't see that happening. So then now it has to be all LeBron, and has to swallow Kyrie's like crap. Yeah, and then I still think LeBron has the ego that he thinks him and AD are good enough. I agree with that, but I also think that he knows that this Russ thing is going to hold them back. It's, like we saw how bad it was in the regular season, it's going to be ten times worse in the playoffs if they can't get rid oh, of Russ. This I season. agree with that too. Yeah, but and like if you see an out where it's like, oh shit, like we can actually bring in like another guy who's like legitimately like. Even with Kyrie, with all of his problems, and even with all of his struggles that he's had in the playoffs, he and that big three would make a lot more sense to me than the current big three that they have. And I think that I think that if Kyrie was open to it, that LeBron would be. But I once again, like I think that unless like the Knicks come calling, which I don't expect, because it's like I just think he wants to live in New York. Like it sounds like he just doesn't really want to leave, and like the only other team there is is the Knicks and like, that's kind of your only option. You burned other bridges every, everywhere else. Like, like him and Harden are in similar situations where like, this might be the last team that they play for just out of like circumstance and necessity. Like it's, it's, it's not like necessarily their call. I, I agree. And I think there's like, some, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this is just like Kevin Durant, like, like, um, millennial passive aggressive avoiding conflict and he's like i'm just gonna go to europe and not call anyone and that will also be the answer to the problem where he just like shows back up and Kyrie's there and he's like oh hey bud like <laughs> he's like i'm oh, not going oh. to group therapy like i'm yeah, just gonna like, avoid all my problems and they'll go exactly away. Kevin Durant. yeah that's why i think Kyrie will be there not because they don't try i think it's not because they don't want him i think they just like passive aggressively just like don't try and then yeah. they're just like oh i guess i guess nothing changed because i tried nothing i guess if Kyrie does come back the question is can they unfuck the vibes because now you have Kevin Durant, which, like, look, Durant is amazing. But, you know, we saw in the playoffs that, like, there are teams that can kind of slow him down in a way that we have not seen in quite some time since before he was in Golden State. And then you have Kyrie, who you never know what you're going to get with. You don't even know if he's going to fucking show up to work. No. Then you have Ben Simmons, who, same exact thing. You have no idea what the fuck's going on with him. <laughs> I forgot like, he was on the team. Like, I ben literally ben were like, ben, I was like, Wait, what? Oh, shit. That's right. Oh, he's a Brooklyn Net, right? Oh, yeah. God, he's on the Nets. He didn't retire and go he on a vision quest. Yeah. No, he he is – it will be interesting. I think that they'll probably try to keep him. I think that the messaging that Sean Marks has sent this offseason is basically, hey, we need guys who want to be here. <laughs> yeah. And Kyrie and Ben are about the flakiest you can get when it comes to that sort of commitment. So – I'm very interested to see what happens. I think ultimately what probably does happen is they attempt to run it back. They bring Kyrie back on maybe like a two-year deal with a third-year team option. He apparently 
from what I heard, he wanted a no trade clause in his contract. And the net said, absolutely no fucking way. We're not doing that because we can't risk getting stuck with you if you just decide to fucking quit on the team, basically. Amazing. So I do think that they're going to try to run it back. I think they'll probably just try to make moves like maybe they'll use the Sixers picks that they have. Maybe they'll use some salary that they have to get in like guys that fit better around those guys and see how it looks. Because like, look, as crazy as everything is there. There's still a ton of talent and like we could easily be here next season and just sitting here talking about like, oh, the Nets are the one seed. Like it it could happen. Like I it, thought they were gonna win. I thought it'd be them and the Warriors this year. Yeah. They have the talent, but yeah. you know. But they didn't have the vaccine. And uh here we are. Here we so, are. It, amazing. It's the butterfly effect thing, dude. <laughs> Fucking and it's the same thing we were talking about earlier. You're like, look, we're sitting here worried about Joel Embiid's tweets, and a year from now. The Who heat knows? could be fucking underwater and like, and then fucking the, the Sixers could be doing great. Like we don't like yeah. every year things change. Boston in December was fucked. Boston so, for a year was fucked. And now they're totally fine. They're in the finals. Like shit can change yeah. at any second. So it will be really interesting to see what happens. I'm going to guess that Kyrie is definitely on the team next year. And I think yeah. it's more out of the fact that no one's going to want to take the chance on him on a long-term contract. If, yeah. a, if there's a team out there that could take him on a one or two year deal, they do it because they're like the talent upside is crazy. Like Dallas would do that. Like, like there are teams yeah. that would just like fucking roll the dice and say, let's see if we can figure it out. But I, I just don't really see a Pelicans? reunion with Dave Griff. How about, mm-hmm. how about Miami? Ooh, Kyrie would probably like to live in Miami. Jimmy would be like, I finally have a teammate who can create his own shot. Like, I can't imagine. I think they are friends. I'm pretty sure Kyrie and Jimmy are friends. They have Lowry, though. Pelicans don't really have a point guard, right? Who's their point guard? And they have CJ McCollum. I mean, he's shooting guard, but he can play point guard. Like, I mean, he was their point guard for a good chunk. But plus, you have Ingram. Like, I don't really think they worry too much about, uh, like, and Zion if he ever comes back. Like, on bo- they have plenty of on ball guys. I don't really yeah. think they need to worry as much about like, Dave Griff, though. He knows his job's almost gone. I don't know. I think I think I think their crazy turnaround was. They did have a good turnaround. That's CJ thing. Yeah. 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 So I think that 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 probably saved this job. So, so all right. Last two things. Let's get into. uh, Actually, speaking of the Mavs, so there's one trade that the Mavs are not interested in, which was surprising to me. Which is they're not going to be in uh, contention for Rudy Gobert. They're not interested. Apparently, Mark Stein came out and said that he's very plugged in there. They don't want to focus on getting him, even though there were. Tim McMahon reported earlier that they would be very interested. So they're not interested in him, but they are interested in Zach Levine, who is very now they're put like now they're like Vegas is putting out numbers on like which team you can bet on that he would go to if he leaves the Bulls. Yeah, like it's like the Spurs, the Knicks, the Mavs. Like it's he's restricted or unrestricted? He's unrestricted. He unrestricted. Yeah, yeah. He wants he wants the money and like. I think Chicago's going to pay him it, but like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm very interested because I talked about Levine last week. Like, I don't really see the fit on some teams, but the Mavs make sense to me because, like, just a secondary creator like Zach Levine, an all star level second guy, would make a ton of sense there. And if you're Chicago, like, Maybe you could like Jalen. You could get Jalen Brunson and picks back, or so like whatever it is. It's a sign and trade. You don't have a ton of leverage. You get whatever you can get, and then you kind of go on from there. So I think that like 
I'm I was surprised that they weren't interested in Gobert, and I was not as surprised that like they're gonna try to go after Levine because the Mavs do this like every two or three years where they're like we're clearing cap space, yeah, we're gonna get Dwight Howard, we're gonna get <laughs> like, we're gonna go after X free agent whatever, and now they're just like look if we can work out a sign and trade, we'll work out a sign and trade and figure that out and. I don't know. I like the Zach Levine fit a lot there. I like the Rudy Gobert fit even more, to be honest. I'm not Gobert. a big Rudy guy, but I think that like if you just have him on the back line with Luke, like to back up Luca, and then you also have him as like a rolling threat, like he makes a ton of money. That's the problem, and I think that they're scarred by the Porzingis thing, like because he was on a like he got a max and like all that shit. But ultimately, I I, I don't know if I if I'm the Mavs, I, I'm I might just try to roll with the formula that I have. And Rudy is like kind of like the peak of that. In t- uh, he can't switch. That's the major problem. That's but like, the big problem. Yeah, in the playoffs. That's, that's like the whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm not the hugest Rudy. Like, it's the same thing. Like, I think he's really good at times. Sure. I think there's times where he's unplayable. And the problem is when you're playing a max guy that, that money. That's it. It's not him. It's the contract. You know what I mean? Where like, can you get 85, 90% of him at like way less money? You know, like, yeah. like, like, could you go get Clint Capella? That's, I was just going to say the old Clint Capella, like, you know, where, right. you know, like those feel like more like how much better is he than, well, right. Like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm like, eh. I'm not the hugest Rudy Gobert fan. Like, I, if you're going to put money into a player, like, I, I need that guy to get me buckets. Yeah, I feel you know, like that's how I would look at it. Unless you're like, you know, a Kawhi level defender, but even then you're getting buckets. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, so yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's, that's a tricky one for me. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that, like, I'm not investing a ton of money in the center position unless my center is my best player, Jokic and Bead level. Like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to invest a ton of money. I like the fit. Like I like the pick and roll game that those two could open up with shooters around them. And I like the fact that like, I think that Gobert might even be a little bit underrated because of how bad Utah's perimeter defense is. But at the same time, like Luca's never going to be like a stout defender on the perimeter and he'll get targeted and all that stuff. So like, it's not the cleanest fit in the world. I'd be interested to see, like I'm starting to think Zach Levine's really leaving this off season though, which is, fucking crazy to me That's dude crazy. like yeah it's crazy after they like basically just like went all out to try to bring this guy back and now they're like well you know we traded for vooch like I, like damar they sign lonzo they bring in caruso like they're trying everything and he might just be like thanks but no thanks yeah yeah no i agree i agree Brutal. yeah I'd lo- I'd lo- like i love zach Levine. i love all my ucla guys uh, I have irrational uh, fandom of UCLA guards and Kentucky guards, so I root for him. But um, one quick thing about Rudy Gobert, where like you mentioned, like oh well, their their perimeter, you know, you know, uh, guys aren't good defenders, and it's like okay, well, remind me whose Sixers perimeter guys were really good at defense, right? I mean, that's and Joel still leads you to a good defense. So like yeah. Gobert, like you, that, that's kind of your job. You know, like clean up the messes. You yeah. got to kind of clean up the mess or, or, you know, or stop it. That's when, why we pay you a ton of money. Like yeah, that, exactly. that is, 
that's the ultimate problem is that like if you invest that much money then find oh all you need to do is put around guys around rudy gobert who you need to have a high level creator like donovan mitchell and then a secondary creator like conley and shooters and stuff but (laughs) then they all are not good on defense because you're building around your defensive guy like that that, that's that's don't build around your defensive guy Yes, exactly. That can't. That cannot get you buckets. He is not a bucket. He is not, no, a, not a, a problem. He's only a problem for your cap sheet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Last thing: the Cleveland Cavaliers are interested yeah. in the following players. Okay. This list of wings was it was amazing. amazing. They, I guess they just went on like Basketball Reference and they just like looked at like how much money people make and they're they just, just like sorted. They stopped, like free agent. Yeah. 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 No, they're not even free agents. They're on other teams. I don't oh, even know if they want to trade these guys. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bojan Bogdanovich. They want both. Gordon Hayward, Tobias Harris. Ooh. Second straight offseason that Tobias Harris has been uh, has been connected to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But problem is they don't really have anyone we want. Gordon Hayward, I already said. Harrison Barnes. Gary Trent Jr., Jeremy Grant, Aaron Gordon, Andrew, who didn't he just get traded like a year ago? Like Andrew Wiggins, who I don't think the Warriors are jumping over anything to get rid of Andrew Wiggins now. And Mike Conley, which I don't really get Mike Conley there. But my point here is that there might be a team that will take Tobias Harris. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's what I'm trying to do. Their slop. goal is that is the best definition the of slop. That there was uh, a hoops hype article that said cats, <laughs> and there was a list of 30 free agents, and one of them was Tobias Harris. You're like, that's I right. need this man. I need this. <laughs> Please. We're, we're a week away from June, man. I got I need something, man. You need, need the slop. John, I need this, man. Yeah. I guess the I guess the Cleveland Cavaliers, their goal is just to build the largest team. Darius Garland plus a bunch of massive dudes. Basically the Elton yeah. brand plan, but with one guard instead. One so guard. you'd have Mobley at the four, who's seven foot and like basically a center. You'd yeah. have Jared Allen at center. You'd have Tobias Harris at small ooh, forward. Ooh, ooh. Back to small forward for Tobias. Then you would have Isaac Okoro, who's like a small forward that can that would be your uh, your Dude. starting shooting guard or Karis Levert or something. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe if you could, I'll be in the trade machine trying to figure out the next time that I come around, I'm going to figure out a Tobias Harris trade that we can get Tobias off the Sixers cap sheet. We can get. Kevin Love maybe to another team, a third team, because he okay. makes around the amount, amount the same amount of money, and then we can get back whoever, and okay. I can just kind of conceptualize this. There are a lot of mid tier contract guys. I don't think it's that realistic, but there is at least one team who a writer for Cleveland.com says they are interested for the second <laughs> straight off season. So let's go. I'm running. I love with the it. slop. I love the slop. We love it. Man, wouldn't that be great to get rid of Harris and just pick up like basically the the Chris Tapps thing, right? Like if you could get two or three guys right. with that money, it just fills what we need. You know what I mean? Like, man, yeah. If you could get like because it's like yeah, you look at someone like Harrison Barnes, who's like around a Tobias Harris. I'd probably take Tobias maybe slightly ahead of him, whatever. Yeah, whatever. He's making, what, like 22 this year, next year? He's making $18 million. He's on a descending contract. Oh, yeah, he's on the descending, right? Yeah. So you get $22 million to play with, (laughs) and you get basically the same guy, except Barnes has a championship, and, like, uh, it's probably 
It might be better than Tobias. To be I, I'll say this much. When I talk about flexibility and I talk about versatility, Harrison Barnes gives you a lot more of that than Tobias Harris does. Like yeah. Tobias is pretty strictly a four. Like yeah. you can kind of you can kind of cheat and play him at the three sometimes out of necessity. In the craziest world, you could play him at the five in theory, but it would probably be bad. But yeah. I think that Harrison Barnes can play the three and the four, and that he just makes because of his shoot, like his willingness to shoot, his shooting, and the fact that he can defend multiple positions, which yeah. Tobias has figured out this year. I will say, like, yeah, he did a great job of that this year. But I think the fact that he has like a proven history of that, and he's been on like legit winning teams like the Warriors and whatever, like, I do think that that, that kind of guy might just like fit better on a contending team than. Unless yeah. we get Tobias Harrison Barnes for a full season, and even then he's making too much money. And, and we see that all the time, right? Like, like some people just can't be the main guy, you know? Like, look at look at Andrew Wiggins when he's the Harrison main guy. Barnes couldn't be the main guy in, right, exactly. in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, you know? And he can't yeah. do it in Sacramento. But if you're like, hey, man, you, all you got to do is guard someone and hit open threes and make sure Joel gets the ball and make sure Maxie and Harding get the ball. That becomes a pretty good – I mean, we saw that with Tobias this year, right? Yeah. Tobias was like, hey, you're not shooting anymore. Just play defense. And, and he yeah. had a great he had a great playoffs. Like, I and even if he made guy. Andrew Wiggins max money, $30 million a year, you'd be like, all right, look, he's $10 million overpaid, but we can figure it out. But, but you can get a, a Seth Curry with that extra yeah. money. You know, like uh, exactly. your Danny Green kind of play. You know, that guy that's like, okay, this guy we can play for – 12 minutes in the playoffs. No, <laughs> absolutely not to buy. That, that Elton brand contract was like, he's still trying to find more ways to pay him more money somehow. Like, <laughs> I, I, he's trying to make that contract even bigger. I don't know how back, it's possible. Back alleys, you know, like trying oh. to, trying to get him on more goldfish commercials and such. All right. We've been going plenty long. I'm going yeah. off the slot. John, yeah, tell me, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, your film that you are currently working on that you are, doing your Kickstarter for and uh, tell people why they should uh, donate and support. Oh man. First of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on the pod, man. I, I yeah, rarely absolutely. get to be a guest on other people's pod. Uh, it's probably because of my terrible takes, um, but thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, man. I almost cut you because of the thigh bolt take, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, but thanks for having me, man. It's awesome. And, and uh, I like, I'm a big fan. So just keep it up. Like I, I think you're filling the void of, La- that's been lacking in Sixers pods. You, you make it really fun and it's great. And it's Thanks, like, bud. you know, so much of the, so much of basketball can be like a grind and a pain in the ass. And sometimes you're just like when sports is your escape and your escape is driving you nuts. <laughs> Cause fucking the coach that you don't want is playing a wash Deandre Jordan over like, you know, some other guys like, I'm glad that you're there to make people laugh and enjoy it and have fun and bring a community together. So, so I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Um, that's the point, dude. So the, yeah, I, yeah. I'd be it's going insane point. if I didn't have right? it. Right. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I'll give you a little backstory. So yeah, I've been, um, I've been, you know, a filmmaker my whole life. Like I went to college at Pitt, uh, graduated, moved to LA and just been making films. And then um, things were going well for me. Um, you know, I was like building my career. I, I just shot like this, thing for nintendo and i was everything was going well and then uh you know i got the phone call that my dad was sick and i flew home and uh you know unfortunately he passed away um and i was like 25 at the time this was 13 years ago and uh it was really rough it was a really terrible time in my life um luckily my friends and family helped me out pulled me through it um and 
one day I'm in LA, I'm coming back and um, I go to this coffee shop. This is a true story. I go to this coffee shop and there's this cute girl there. And I'm like, all right, like uh, I'm gonna talk to this cute girl. And uh, I go and talk to this cute girl and uh, we really hit it off. And we spent the whole day together. It was like this magical day. Her cat was sick and we just like kind of bonded. You know, I told her about my dad and we just like spent the day walking through LA and just had like one of the, one of these magical days. And I remember saying like one day, parts of this day is going to be a movie, right? It just, it just had that special feeling. And um, a couple of weeks later, Twitter and Nikon had this festival, this film festival called your day in 140 seconds. And I was like, Holy shit. I just had the most incredible day. So we re I got the girl, we recreated the day and we shot it and we became a finalist. We're like one of 50 out of thousands of submissions all across the world. We're one of 50. Top prize was $100,000. Uh, Rain Wilson, you know, Dwight from The Office was yeah. a, a judge. He watched the short and tweeted about it. And, and this was like 13 years ago. If Right. When Dwight was like the Twitter dude. And he's <laughs> yeah. Like, Yo, dude, like your film has humanity in it. You're like 20. You're like, oh, my God, this is it. Holy like, shit. Yeah. This, is it. This, is, this is the other side of the coin to my dad passing, right? Like, of course, like you go through, you know, you hit your valley and then you go through your peak, right? Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win, whatever, it happens. Um, but I always knew forever that this was the story I wanted to tell. And for years, literally 10 years, I was trying to tell this story and I couldn't quite figure it out. And I would find myself trapped, like literally trapped in this, in this prison of like, you know, I eventually... The girl in the film is, was not my wife, um, but I eventually met my wife, you know, eight years ago. And then, you know, we, and things would happen like she'd be like, hey, let's go on vacation. Right. And I'd be like, uh, I really should be working on my film. And then I wouldn't work on my film or I'd get nowhere. And then I'm like, OK, now I'm like upset. Like I didn't go on vacation. And I didn't work on my film. And you just constantly get in this trap of like, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. You know. Oh, and, believe me. I know. Right. Very true, well. Right. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. Right. Oh, 100 um, percent can relate to that. Yeah. And so like one day I just had to have a face to face, a heart to heart with myself. And I was like, dude, just quit, man. You're, you're not a feature film director. Like, I know that was your goal your whole life. Like you, you made the leap. You went to college for film. You did the whole thing. And, you, you know, but you just got to quit. And when you're hungry, you'll be hungry again. And uh, it really helped. It, it got me to relax more. I got, you know, I just had that monkey off my back. Um, at Fox Sports, like I work on the digital team, things started really picking up for me. I really started focusing and enjoying sports. Like for the first couple of years, I've been there for seven years now. First couple of years, I was like, ah, this is just my, my day job. I'm really a feature film director. I'm going to leave whenever, you know. And then I was like, no, nah, man, like you got a pretty badass job. Like, you, you cover the NBA, you go to the Super Bowl. You work like, with Skip Bayless and Colin Coward. I worked with Skip Bayless, Colin Coward, Bannon. I did, uh, the best was I used to do Chris Broussard's podcast. And man, that was like, like, dude, one all-star game. Like, I like hung out with Hinky all night. And Joel, we went to Michael Jordan's 50th birthday party. I ate his cake. Like, it was like, I really enjoyed this job. And then, um, you know, when you're hungry, you'll be hungry again. And then, so... Three years ago, or yeah, but two and a half years ago, I'm shooting this, a buddy short film, right? And uh, I shot half of it. And then another friend shot the other half. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, who, who, who's shooting the other half? And he goes, oh, John Hill is. And uh, my guy is my friend. And I know he didn't mean it in a bad way. But he goes, does John Hill still make stuff? <laughs> I thought all he does is like 
post his pasta pics on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? What'd he say? He was like, yeah. He said, does John Hill even make stuff anymore? And I was like, oh, oh, you motherfuckers forgot. And it was like the <laughs> Michael Jordan shoulder. It was the Michael Jordan meme where I was like, oh, and I took that personally. So then I was like, <laughs> I like, I was, was your like, Jimmy Butler moment. That was my Jimmy. Yeah. I was basically You're like, not going to be the five year max. Yeah. And so I faxed myself a letter that said, I'm back. Uh, and then I paid a buddy to meet me once a week uh, to help me write the story. Like to like be like, hey, okay, what's your opening act? Write that. Come back next week with the second part. You know, and after four weeks, like you really got me there. And then I wrote the film in a month and I was really happy with it. And then COVID happened. So I was ready to shoot it, but then I couldn't. Okay. I was like, hey, you know what? In independent filmmaking, like this was, you know, before the vaccine, before everything. I was like, I just got to pause. Like, look, you've waited 10 years. What's in what this COVID thing will be over in a month, right? You know, like so. two weeks, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, so anyway, long story short, that we're back. Um, and at the beginning of this year, I, I was ready to start it. And we started. And uh, it's been going great, man. So I got a bunch of private investors working on this film or get, uh, donating money. And then the other half is this Kickstarter. Um, and I love Kickstarters. I love crowdfunding. I love Patreons. You know, like we have one for the Super Hoopers. I just love the idea that a bunch of people who believe in you and want to support you can give you a little bit of money to make something big. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and I, I just I just love that. Like, like so there's some people that feel weird about asking for money and being Kickstarter and things like that. I'm like... No, man, like, I'm trying to make a movie. Um, you ever see the movie Before Sunset? No. Before Sunrise with Ethan Hawke? No, I've okay. never seen that. Well, if your audience has, it's the, uh, it's the Asian Before Sunset. You know, it's, it's a very personal film. It takes place in one day, and it's based off that day. So the guy who loses his dad, he comes back to L.A. He, um, you know, he's hoping to do this comedy show. Uh, there used to be that my friend Matt Bronger, he's a comedian, he used to throw, oh yeah so great guy funniest guy i used to work in the comedy industry so oh really oh, okay yeah, so, New York for a few years. oh okay so he used to do this uh backyard birthday party every year and every year like people who whoever was in the show like got a tv show the next year like i saw nick kroll garfunkel and oates tig nagara uh kumail Pete Holmes, like literally like uh, um, all the hipster favorites, all the hipster favorites, like in my friend David Michelle's backyard doing a show. So the film is this guy, he wants to come back. He wants to do the show. He goes to the coffee house. He meets this girl. She lost her dog. They go on the day, kind of spending the day together as he tries to get ready for this comedy show. Um, he goes to the show. He, he bombs. Like he, he tries to like during the day, they're like, no, dude. Uh, you you ghosted us for like six months. Where the, where the hell have you been? And he's like, uh, you sure you should be doing jokes like your dad just died? And he's like, oh, I got this. And he fails miserably. Uh, and then yada, yada, yada. He goes back to the show later in the night. And lo and behold, he gets a chance to go on stage. And um, instead of hack jokes, he tells uh, what is the true, true story of the last time I saw my dad alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's the movie. It's, 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 it's a small, simple film. Uh, it's a comedy, believe it or not. It's I was gonna uh, say, it sounds dramedy-ish. I would yeah, say. yeah. I mean, it's which I love. I personally, those are like I, I am a sucker for like literally anything that is like indie, quirky, like dramedy stuff. Like I'm, yeah. I'm for that. So. Yeah, yeah. I always like to say my stuff is is comedy with heart. 
Like, like you're going to laugh. You're going to, there's, there's a lot of fun characters, a lot of weirdos in there. Like, it's definitely like the way that, you know, my dad taught me was like, you know, my dad was the guy who, who made jokes at funerals. Like when his dad died, my grandpa, like my dad was like roasting him. You know what I mean? It was like, like, okay, like, like we were going to laugh. Yeah, no, I get it. That's how we cope. You know? Yeah, that's how we cope. And um, yeah, that's my entire family does the same. That's thing. that's, and I think that's the best way, right? Like, I always tell people, like, dude, when I die, you better make fun of me, like, all oh, the time. Yeah. Like, I want yeah. you to rip me apart. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, have me I'm on. Like, like, when I die, Trill, like, every one, every year, have me on as a guest. And then just have it be a blank episode. And be like, John, I think you're on mute. John, you're on yeah. mute. I'll send, I'll send you a text like Jason Tatum did to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do that, please. <laughs> um. So yeah, man, we're super excited. Um, I got a great crew. We just casted uh, the two leads. We're really excited. And uh, yeah, we're raising money, man. So we we have to hit 40, 40K, I think in like 12 days, maybe 10 days by the time this comes out. And it's all or nothing. So if we don't get the money, we don't get the movie. Um, but you know, the, the amount of people who have come out of the wood, woodwork in my life has been like insane. Like I had... I had an elementary school teacher. He was my favorite teacher. He passed away. His daughter I knew in high school, she saw the Kickstarter, wrote me and was like, you know what? I know my dad would donate. Like he cared about you. And like, you know, for, for like, I have this thing, you know, it's like when you lose a parent or something, like, like I call it the club. You're in this club, which is, which is painful, you know, and everyone knows because it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like my wife's never going to meet my dad. That's just it. She's only going to know about them through stories or, you know, and I grew up in a world without digital cameras, you know, so there's only a few photos of them. Right. Know? There's no, no tapes of him, like, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, so, like, I think we're hoping to try to make a movie that is like, you know, for anyone who's lost someone who anyone who's gone through some struggles, you know, and like, hopefully we can look, I'm, I'm nothing could change it. There's nothing you can say to someone who loses a parent to make it feel better. But if you can distract them for a little bit, and hope to get them to kind of see a different side of it and laugh like then then I think I've done my job. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. So if uh, you know if any listeners wants to help, uh, you can go to uh, you know above the clouds film.com. There's a link there. Um, Trill said put he'll put it in the description. In the, put in the description. Yeah. Please um, support it if you can. It sounds great. Honestly, I can't wait to watch it after you guys make it because you will hit your goal. I guarantee you. I, it honestly, it's really cool to see the support that you guys have got for just people coming out for you and donating and everything. And, and uh, I, I really hope that you guys do reach it so that we can, uh, we can watch the movie, dude. Dude. Thank you, man. And uh, my, my cinematographer, I went to college with him. He's my best friend. He shot um, a lot of, um, uh, I think you should leave. Oh, nice. Yeah, there yeah, we he, go. He does There's that. A connection. Yeah, he does. Uh, he shot all the comedy stuff in LA comedy, bang, bang, Sarah Silverman. He did oh. SNL this year, the first half. Nice. Uh, so, so it's going to look incredible. Um, we got the music producer has produced for Mac Miller, Kendrick Lamar, Jay Cole. He's my buddy from college. Nice wreck. Um, the nice. actors are incredible. So um, I, I think it's the horse to bet on. Uh, I wouldn't bet on, um, you know, the Sixers and Doc Rivers. Uh, <laughs> maybe don't don't listen to me on Warriors and Five. Um, <laughs> but this film, I think this is the one to bet on. So. All right, dude. And, and if you can't, if you can't financially support, that's cool too, man. I get it. I get it. Uh, retweet it. Share yeah, it. Retweet it, and just Whatever like you, you know, do. just just mentally in your head, give give good vibes across the way. Um, there you go. Because there's a lot of Philly references in there too. 
that I think people get. So, so oh, you know, you know, Philly people, they literally only like Philly things. So yes, exactly. Like, so this is, I had, I had an old boss who was from England and we, whenever she had to, we had to, she was like kind of a public figure and we would put her onto the news and they were like, yeah, kind of play down your English accent a little bit. Cause people <laughs> in Philly only like Philly people. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very, but, that is very uh, true. Once again, thank you, John, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Guys, go support John's Kickstarter. The link is in the description. Uh, and I can't wait to have you on next time. And hopefully next time you're on, uh, you know, you're making the film or or it's uh, it's already out and we can watch it. Awesome, man. Appreciate you, brother. All right, bud. Peace.